This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand, providing high-strength, informed, sports-certified formulations to support recovery, boost immunity, and relieve joint inflammation for endurance athletes. Episode number 256 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Recording this on a Monday night after a massive Sunday in the world of running. We saw a marathon world record go down and the third fastest female of all time happen in Berlin. Not too much domestic news this week. Kane Corns is going to be joining us to talk about his uh, epic last couple of weeks, raising some big money and running some big Ks. Moose will be on the loose, listen to question, and we've got some audio from our Melbourne Marathon live show, which was on the uh, Facebook, YouTube YouTube stream last night, so a few things to get excited about there. Welcome to my co-host, he's up in Canberra, Bradley Croker, how are you going this evening? Good, Brady, school holidays, um, yeah, watched Berlin last night, it was uh, it was pretty inspiring, but it was, um, I think what I loved about it was the last few K, uh, Kipchoge looked human. Haven't seen him struggling too many marathons. We'll get to that as well. I should have to. I should. I missed the intro, and I. I'm sorry, I missed it. But we're also going to be talking about Lisa Waitman's amazing run as well. We'll get to that a bit later on as well. But hold your horses, Croaks. We'll get all into yeah. the Berlin chat in a minute. My other co-host from Angle C, Julian Spence. How are you going this evening? I'm good, thanks, mate. Just hearing about Kipchoge being human, running two hundred one thirteen or something. Yeah, po- positive split though. Yeah. We'll I get know, to it. Geez. Just relax, boys. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. You can't go to Kipchoge first when you two guys have got good weeks to recap. So we'll uh, hear those ones first, and then we'll go to Patreons, and then we'll go to Berlin. And that's about the only running news we've got this week. So we'll go deep into our Berlin analysis. I actually took some notes about Kipchoge today. A couple of things I want to ask you about him. So uh, we'll get there. Hold your horses, though. Croaks, do you want to go first and tell us about your running week? I think you're back on the horse. Uh, yes. So I had a pretty good week. Uh, well, my week improved as it went. Um, I remember chatting about it last week that my Monday was my first run outside in just over two weeks. I'd done a few runs on the treadmill. Um, so I did an hour out at Mulligan's. Uh, 4.24s didn't feel amazing. Um, started to just get like real heavy quads, uh, ductors, just, you know, that stuff when you haven't run for a few weeks. Um, that start to sort of lock up and get fatigued. So, um, yeah, got through that, but it was like uh, I'm probably a few weeks away from feeling good again running. Um, after work on the Tuesday, I decided just to run back on the treadmill um, just to, I guess, recover a little bit, give my body. Like, it was just easier, obviously, on the treadmill the days before I ran outside, so I thought I'd just go back to the treadmill. Um, I just did 50 minutes, uh, 4.37s. 
And then Wednesday was when things like really turned around. Um, got out for well 80 minutes, so not as long as my midweek long runs before I got sick. Um, but this one like started off. I was like 30 or 40 minutes in. I'm like, yeah, oh, this is yeah, 80 minutes probably a bit too far. But then after I got through sort of 40, 50 minutes, I actually started to find my rhythm. A lot of my soreness started to sort of go away. Um, so I ran 4:12s. For 19k, I uh, got whacked in the back of the head by Magpie um, out at Mulligan, so that wasn't a highlight of that run. What do you got, yeah? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, fair on the back of the head. So With his beak um, or his yeah, feet? Nah, uh, not sure. Like there was there was a mark on my head, which I was wearing a hat. Um, but it was weird. Like I don't know if you guys find this with birds. Like sometimes, so I, my run was an out and back. So on the way out, it got me on the way back wasn't there um and then i ran again there on sunday and it wasn't there at all but by that stage i picked up a stick and i was going to start swinging at it if it, if it did attack me so oh, just, protecting, that. just protecting its family just looking after yeah I'm, and I'm just like you would if you're looking after your babies yeah and i'm protecting my head so <laughs> i guess we're even Nothing. Uh, How is, yeah, yeah we what? don't love that we don't love that Come on. If Peter are listening, that is not endorsed by the Inside I'm a massive, podcast. I'm a bird lover. Come down yeah. and give you a little tickle on the back of your head. What about self-defense? You're going to kill, kill a bird funny, for a tickle. Fun in games until it pokes my eye out or something. It only gets the back of your head. They, don't come front, they never come front on. Yeah. But if I turn around... So, anyway, it, I don't like that magpie, and I will protect myself. <laughs> <laughs> um... So then on the Thursday, uh, 45 minutes, four tens. Did my first workout for the week or first workout in a couple of weeks on the Friday. Just jumped on the treadmill. Uh, did six-minute reps at 3.30 per kilometre. Wore the heart rate strap. Um, it was a little bit warmer than, you know, than the last few weeks. It's definitely warmed up in the garage, gets a bit warm. So um, heart rate didn't go crazy, mid-160s. Mid um, which, you know, before I got sick, I'd probably be running uh, closer to 320s for the same effort. Um, I only did four of them. So, you know, I, I felt felt fine doing that. I could have done five or six, but I thought first session back, I don't need to do any more than four. Uh, Saturday, an hour at 4.13s out at Mulligan's. And then on Sunday, um, I wasn't sure how far I was going to go. I sort of set myself, I wanted to do at least 90 minutes. Uh, if I felt okay, I'd do two hours. Um, end up doing two hours, 406s, uh, 29K. So it was a week of 113, which, um, yeah, I'll take, like, given how I felt last Monday, I was pretty happy with how that week ended up. Um, body feels pretty good now, uh, not sick. So, yeah, I'll um, slowly increase the Ks again from here, and um, I'm not going to go crazy on any sessions for the next few weeks yeah smart no need to yeah any um we spoke last week about fukuoka being out of action but anything else been sniffing around fun run season's uh, coming up the road season not really i think i've just um just string together a month and then just see where i'm at and then have a look for some races yep moose tell us about what you've been doing got out there for 70ks this week which was good no long run um, just this is the week that I put some pictures up, so you you'd be happy. I'm not oh, going to yeah. go through them all, mate. This, can, uh, <laughs> this was an entertaining a, week. I, I actually forgot that we asked you to do this. 
Because we asked a week ago, didn't we? Yeah, I, did. I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, well, you got it. You got it anyway, unless you've unfollowed me. Um, but I did actually increase followers, Brad, which I, I, I increased six this yeah. week. Have you had a little spreadsheet? How do you know you went up by six? Last week I was on 5,000 when we recorded. And oh, so really? I, th- I thought I should have got a mention, but I didn't. You blokes didn't pick up on it. Yeah, well, that's the first time I looked at it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's I got pretty 40, good. I got 47 likes on uh, on one of the comments on Monday. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, those comment things are taken off, aren't they? I've never seen I one like higher than 47. I'm a big fan of the comment like button. Um, still not, still need an anti kudos button because I've just started writing anti kudos whenever I, whenever I don't approve of something. <laughs> but, I just then, write but then people <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it turns into an anti kudos button. That turns Action. into bullying. That's what it turns into. <laughs> this is brilliant, isn't it? Everyone's questioning their training because I know because you're freaking doing it to me every Sunday at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep doing it too. <laughs> Stop uploading shit, I reckon. Anyway, tell us about your week and your first photo. No, I'm not talking about the photos. But I ran 40 minutes um, on Monday, then Tuesday, just again, 40 minutes. So I just wanted to frequency consistency it's what i'm after now on wednesday i joined the group for a workout because there's a lot of school teachers involved in this group they all came down and went on location for their workout so uh, i joined a threshold it was three by well yeah it was an i adjusted the session on the fly because i thought it was too difficult for the guys so inserted myself into that very nicely and um, influenced it to, to change the workout, but this the session was 10 minutes at threshold, two minute jog, and 30 seconds hard, 60 second jog. Um, now the guys that I'm running the workout with, one of them I one of them I ran 18 seconds quicker than at the 10. So I thought he's training from Melbourne and he's going quite well. Ran about 70 minutes at um, Burnley, and the other guy Will, he's Run 69 and a half at Burnley, and he's probably a little fitter than me. Uh, but I thought, yeah, we should be all about this, about the same um, fitness level in the, the threshold. So I, I struggled. Um, we ran at this sort of streets around Bells Beach, like the kind of half township region of Bells Beach. We left the first um, 10 minutes was downhill. And I ran, we ran 321 pace. Uh, I was thinking already at that time, I'm like, geez, this is a bit hard towards the end. This isn't really my threshold feel. I should probably be going easier. But there's a group of three people. I'm not going to sit off the back by 10 meters and, and run it by myself, especially when there's nothing really on the line for me. I might as well try to help the guys out and run run with them. Uh, the, the, the 30 seconds were easy. 30 seconds short enough where it's it's not hard you take it to 45 seconds and all of a sudden that becomes a little more difficult but 30 seconds is below the the hard or the <laughs> where it becomes difficult you're going um, pretty so quick that, though 250 pace yeah i was still turning the legs over okay i felt good on the 30 second reps just not the threshold stuff but again it's 30 seconds like it's not a hard and then the next rep was was uphill uh, and I could feel that. So we were slower, 3.30. Um, my heart rate got well up, and by the end, like, I was hanging on. 
and just thinking, all right, get to the end of the 10 minutes and, and that'll be your workout done. <laughs> uh, this is more like 10K effort and threshold. Uh, more like 10K heart rate as well. Um, did a 30-second rep with him. And then the next one, I thought, oh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go like three minutes, then they're going to turn around I'll join them for the last three minutes. But I ended up going five minutes because it was downhill, so it wasn't very difficult, um, even though the heart rate was high. And then had two minutes while they went out and back a minute, and I joined them for the last three minutes of that rep. So that was 319 and then 314 pace, and then 252 for the 32nd. So I didn't... I didn't, I didn't finish the workout as I wanted to. But question for you boys, what do you think's happened here? Given that I was 18 seconds quicker at the 10 than one of these guys, yet he's doing this as his threshold. You reckon they were outside their threshold, or they have just got more mileage and more long runs, maybe more fitness that makes it more comfortable for them. Do you want to go first, Crux? Um Yeah, I think like. The 10, like it's a 11 minute race. So I reckon you can get away. I reckon get away with not having a lot of strength and fitness. Whereas this is, you know, it's a relatively long session. And I just think maybe the lack of miles um, hurts you a little bit more in this. Yeah. Who decided yeah. on the 320 moose for the first 10 minutes? Uh, well, I was kind of just jogging along. The, the pace prescription was 320 to 325. Yeah. So that and that's downhill. So running three twenty downhill, like at the, it's still within the range, but you're downhill. And then it went to three thirty on the uphill. So, mm. like the gap pace was three twenty, three twenty one, um, three nineteen. So I still think know. there's something in. I still think most people, me included, do threshold stuff too quick sometimes. Like yeah. especially when there's a range three twenty to three twenty five, and you do the first one in three twenty one. Like, get the first one for free and hit it at 325, even if it is downhill. Um, and that's why, like, yeah, I've moved my stuff to 315s, and you're saying you're doing it at 320s. Now, fit, yeah. fitness level is a bit right. different at the moment. And I only, do, of... I only do five-minute reps at threshold, or six minutes. But it, but it still sounds like the guy that Moose beat at um, the 10 handled it. found this session easier than yeah. what Moose did. I actually think that's 30 right, seconds, Moose. Yeah. I reckon that's what's got you. Because when you look, like, when's the yeah. last time you ran 250 pace? I know well, it's only for 30, 30 seconds. seconds. I know it's only for 30, but when? How many months? Yeah, I don't know. Another no. thing, another thing, Moose, I find when you're trying to get fit again, where you, you haven't had like decent volume and, and lots of consistency, is that there's that period where you start to get fit, but you have these inconsistent sessions, like you have a shit one yeah. and then. And, you know, the next one's a real good one and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then you get over that hump and then all the sessions are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know exactly what you're saying. Most people will recognize that. I reckon I'm in that zone, but I just thought interesting considering how the results went at the, like one week earlier. But I think it's a combination of two. I think those boys were going a little bit too hard uh, and that I was still a little bit like having a shocker, not a shocker, but having a bad session. But put um, that put that thirty seconds at two fifty on the track, like that's splitting. So you've ran a thirty four second two hundred on the road. So on a track, it's probably a thirty two second two hundred, and then you're only having a minute jog, and then you're going into it, ten. Yeah, minutes. I know. What, I know what you're saying. I, I sting you. During the workout, I didn't really feel like it was a big deal. I felt just like a surge, 
and that okay. was finished. Um, but on paper, you are right. And this is the argument that I had with Ali, actually, who had prescribed 90 seconds hard for these guys. And I'm like, that's too much, like, to throw in a threshold workout. I said, you've got to cut that back to 30 seconds because 90 seconds hard after 10 minutes at threshold, that just fucks your next rep. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's like doing a hard 500 on the track. That's what I said. Like that's, that's exactly yeah, what I said. Yeah, I yeah. was having this conversation with Archie the other day when we were doing like a three, two, one minute like fart lake. I'm like, you look at it when you do it on the road one way, but you do those reps on the track. That's like doing a, you know, a three minutes, a K and a two minutes, like an 800 and a one minute's probably a 400. And you're trying to do mm-hmm. them off like 30 second jogs or a minute jog. Like you'd never do that if you're on the track. You'd have longer recovery. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, um, I think make it, changing it was a good move. Uh, I think those boys might still be out there if they had to run 90 <laughs> seconds. Uh, anyway, um, that was a good heated discussion that we had after that. Oh, so did you <laughs> had, change it about telling her? Yeah, well, I changed it that morning once I found out about it. And then she's um, like, why did everyone change their workout this morning? Uh, yeah, I can't remember how it ended up, <laughs> but I think... Um, it was a it was a group message and Gunther likes Barbiner, so he he was there jogging, and so after I changed it, she, he he got into her immediately. Uh, it, it good 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 healthy discussion. Uh, next morning I was pretty sort of sore from the workout, so I just ran thirty minutes easy, and then um, I oh yeah I ran with a mate down in um down in Mogs Creek. So I met him on, uh, like, what was this Thursday morning? This was, like, the, the public holiday and just ran 42 minutes. We went a bit quick, both pretty inflated egos, me and Jordan running here. Uh, he's a football player, so he he's not very fit coming off the season, so it feels great to, to, to beat someone up. I haven't run with people that I could beat up for a while. So, yeah, it gives me a bit of confidence. And then did a little um, uh, workout the next day. So I did a monofartlek, but I fucked up the um, fucked up the buttons. I actually had the workout program perfectly into my watch. And then as I'm running along, um, I was just waiting for it to vibrate. But what happened was, I, for some reason, the chorus had sort of assigned goals for each rep, and one of the goals was like to be in a heart rate range. And so it started buzzing at me that I was outside the range, but I thought that it was the end of the rep. And so mid-rep, I actually started jogging, well, I started floating instead of on before I realized what would happen. So I ended up sort of cooking the workout exactly like a mono, but we still got it done. And it was okay, like 20 minutes, ran 6K, so just about 319s, which is, um, yeah, pretty much two. 220 marathon pace which is that's how i know that number works out that's what you would always go for or a lap of the lake at ballarat is um 320s but sunday i ended up just going out for a jog actually because uh, i was on the bike for toby who had a, a a tempo workout and he came down from ballarat for that so i rode next to him for 26k um he had a he had like a 90, I think it was 95. Well, we don't know what your marathon pace is yet, but it was a, it was sort of a just easier than marathon pace tempo 
about 90 minutes worth um, out and back on a road we call Forest Road, which is where we've done a lot of training in the past. So that was the week, 70K, and two workouts, no injuries, happy days. Mm, some good work in those workouts too, looking at the splits. Well, yeah, it was pretty good. Feeling like I can get the body going. Feeling like I can get the uh, the legs t- ticking over. I've been doing strength again, and I honestly think that's making a difference in how how like fast I can run, like top-end speed. I do think it makes a difference to me. Surely it would, wouldn't it? That would be common knowledge. Well, why don't you do it then? Yeah, I should. I should. If, if it's been... such common knowledge and you, like, you're trying to... I know. So many runners are like, we should do more <laughs> gym work. We know it's so good for you, but I'm like, nah, don't have time for it, but just still smack heaps of Ks a week instead. I, don't I just think... hate going to the gym. Well, I don't think there's a massive of evidence that it helps performance. Isn't it? I, I, like when you get I... older too? Oh, probably older, I think yeah. it's when you get older, it's so good for you. I th- yeah yeah it's a it's a funny one because i never like you see like you talk to mono right he goes yeah i never did a single push-up or squat my whole yeah. life and i used to run 200k weeks never got injured and oh well got heaps of injuries but <laughs> um crichton's the same crichton never did gym hated the gym yeah danny deke did much in the gym really um, thought he was I a gym no I, he... I don't know I don't, yeah i don't know but yeah I, I I actually think it makes a difference to me. So I still still doing a bit just at home. Your best running was off your uh, regular gym work. Yeah, it was. But at the same time, like, was it that or was yeah. it the other factors? Who knows? That's a thing. It's so hard to know, isn't it? I'll tell you about my week, boys, before we move on. Monday, did 16 cows also on school holidays, croaks. I'd started school holidays, though. This was my first week of school holidays, whereas I think you've just started, haven't you? Yeah, today's my first day. This is week one for me. 16K in the morning, 4.33 is Monday. 8K in the afternoon, 4.24s. Tuesday, did a 15K progressive run. So um, I did... 5k at 325s, 5k at 320s, 5k at 315s. I worked out those paces, what you're talking about before, Moose, with uh, percentages. I would would love to run a marathon around 315s, so I was calling that like my 100% marathon pace, and then I think I was going 95 and 90. So starting at 90, go up to 95, try and finish at 100. But it's hard to know. You put these numbers into calculators and... You're not really sure what the kind of pace is, but it's kind of around the mark there. So, so are you how explain how you're coming to your percentages? I worked on two eighteen dead pace. And I think yeah, I should so, have been that's three sixteen. I think I was a bit quick the last five K. So if you no, but what I'm saying is like oh, your then percentages. I use, yeah, then so, I've used a calculator because it's pretty hard to work out. I've got It's not one. really though, because it's like 316 is 196 seconds mm-hmm. um, for that kilometre, and then you just times it by 1.02, and you'll find 98% of um, marathon pace. Yeah, I also just use a calculator, and then I've just got it written in my um, even top of my program here. That's good well, maths yeah. from you to do that off the top of your head. No, oh, it's, it's it's easy. What do you times you it could... by? Say that again. <laughs> Whatever percentage you want. So, oh, you work like, out the yeah. Sorry, you don't times the pace. You work out the seconds. How many yeah, yeah, seconds sec- it is in total times by what zero point? Yeah, 
Yeah. Unless so it's you can, over 100. You, you'd go and you can work out a good range like that. Yeah, you can work out like if you want, say, 95 to 97%, you can work that out mm. and give the range for the, um, for the athlete. Yeah. Yeah, I worked out, um, yeah, 95 was 326s um, and then worked out from there. So, yeah, it was a good workout. Um, I did 5K before Archie jumped in. Um, and then I always get a good sign from workouts when I want to – usually we kind of share the lead, but I think, yeah, I did the first 5K solo and then he took 2.5K and, and then I took the rest of it from there because I was just like, I feel fine, just sit in here because he was doing some stuff at the end of that. So that felt good. Got out for 35 minutes in the Arvo. Two hours on Wednesday morning at 4.16s in the rain again. Don't know about you guys, but up here it's like good weather for like one day, then it just rains for like two days straight. It's been shocking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wednesday, Arvo, got 30 minutes in. Thursday, a bit of a recovery day, 70 minutes in the morning. This was one of the good days, 15 degrees when I got out in the morning, and then 35 minutes in the afternoon. Friday, met up with Archie again, did some uh, two-minute reps around about three-minute pace off like a one-minute jog. We just go out and back this road for two minutes, which is um, pretty nice. I love two-minute reps, and I find when I'm doing kind of these bigger weeks that this is just that one of the workouts I need just to just to tick the legs over. It's not really a hard workout, but I um, want to work a bit quicker than marathon pace one of the days in the week. Then I got out for 35 minutes in the afternoon. Then Saturday, it was Hudson's birthday. Did all the birthday stuff in the morning, which was cool because he's at that age now where he knows what's going on and um, appreciates open presents and all those kind of things. So got out for 16K after all the birthday celebration stuff. And then 35 minutes in the afternoon. And then Sunday, got out for two hours and 50 minutes again. Did a bit before meeting Archie and then, um, yeah, he did two hours. I did two hours with him and then I think I did about 20 minutes after he finished up. So time went by pretty quick. He got rolling. I reckon he rolled like a 353, about four or five K in. And I just had to say to him, like, let's just settle things down a bit here. I'm going to be out here for quite a bit of time. So I don't want to be running that that quite quick. Um, but a beautiful morning. If Melbourne Marathon get that this Sunday, still... No elevation, as you noted in my um, comments, Moose. Think about 100 <laughs> metres of elevation gain over 42 point something K. But um, a beautiful morning out there. And my favourite run of the week at the moment, that, that super long one. Just enjoying it and, and, and going well. Like I remember doing long runs in the past where I need to spend the afternoon on the couch, whereas I felt like my energy has been good in the Sunday afternoons with these longer ones so uh that brought... nutrition nutrition out there yeah i took one gel at about oh, 50 minutes one of those sis ones they're 40 grams um of carbs beta fuel yeah yeah i've been that's that's pretty early 50 minutes yeah oh was it my 50 minutes or archie's 50 minutes no about 50 minutes in i take it just uh well early is better than later um and then yeah haven't had any um issues with like I'm, I'm finishing these full of running like i don't feel like i'm banged up at all it's kind of um yeah it's it's been good to get it done but i guess yeah. at that pace i'm not burning like running four minute k pace what's your heart rate on it i uh, don't know i might put it on next week i'd say 135 140 135 you reckon yeah i reckon maybe 140 i guess it is fucking flat as a tack this is and some of these roads are like beautiful like just yeah, beautiful, flat, gravel. dirt. Probably gravel for, mm, 
60% of it, okay. so, which was pretty nice. Some of the gravel roads like washed out and stuff, but this one was pretty good. So yeah, it was a nice day. So um, a big week, not a lot of quality in there, but I feel like I'm building a lot of, oh yeah, good base to start getting into things in the coming weeks. Thanks. You're coaching Archie? Yeah, I'm coaching Archie. Isn't he racing this weekend? You got him doing 31K week before. He wasn't no. racing. He wasn't racing until late this week. He's just having, he was going to be doing a pacing job on Sunday, but the pacing job's not happening anymore. So he said, I might um, I might jump into the 10K, which was good. And then he's going to Valencia for the half marathon in the two weeks, three weeks time, I think it is. I open up his program now. So yeah, he's got to get some work in. This isn't an A race. This is a bit of fun. He's going to be in Melbourne kind of thing. So you know, you've got to do some work croaks. But he's got fit very quick. Young Archie, yeah, he's in um, Valencia in three weeks this Sunday, which would be good. He'll go for the half marathon, then I'll go for the marathon. Nice one. Should be good. Should we thank some Patreon supporters? Sure. I'll kick it off if you kick like. Kick it off, yep. Ash? Yeah, I've got Ash McDowell. Uh, not sure where Ash lives, um, but PBs of 1946 for 5K, 4037 for 10K, 86 for the half, and ran three hours and 23 seconds at Melbourne last year. Uh, maybe saw a blue tongue lizard on his run yesterday if it's the right guy. So hopefully we have got you right, Ash, and um, hopefully you run in Melbourne again this week and you'll break three hours. Yeah, that would be awesome. Pretty close, find that 20, isn't it? Find that 23 seconds. 23 seconds over 24 42K. Seconds. Yeah. It's not a lot. But still, we get too caught up on times, don't we? Like, yeah, does his life do. change at all if his runs two fifty nine fifty nine or three oh oh twenty three? No. Well, I remember um, Cam Bright, a guy. I had a heap of guys break three, and then had one guy who ran a PB but missed it by like eight seconds. And like he's um, he's saddled up again for Melbourne this weekend, so hopefully he can break three. But yeah, like it doesn't change. It doesn't change your life. Like you think you know you have these goals and. You know, when you achieve it, you're like, you're so pumped up initially. And then a week later, you're like, oh, mm. didn't really uh, change much. <laughs> a day later, a day later, you feel like that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, sometimes you can be up and about for a week, I reckon. And then you just go, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> move on. Yeah. What's next? That's it. Moose, who are you thinking? Scott Thompson. Um, so this is a, a maybe common name, no address. However, could be former fullback from the North Melbourne Football Club, Scott Thompson. He was actually from Geelong, played football against him and with him. And then there's an Adelaide Scott Thompson, wasn't there? On baller, big unit. And then... Um, you know your footy stats here. Well, Scott Thompson, it's not that. Anyway, and then there's, uh, there's a guy actually, I think this is Scott Thompson, who lives in on the other side of Melbourne from me. And he... Uh, is off to run the London Marathon uh, in one week. Um, so Scott, actually, if this is him, he's run 2010, 42, 10, 125, 309. Oh, it's a bit of a guess, but if it's if it's got Thompson, then yeah, he came in for a pair of race day shoes last week. Um, Does that stack up? Could that be him? Is he a 309 guy? I think he's more I, – I don't think he's that fast anymore. When was that 309 run? Oh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I was just doing some yeah, digging today. 
could have been a 309 guy at one point in his life. However, I think he's a bit closer to the, the four-hour mark now, maybe three and a half hours. Um, don't think it's 309 anymore if it's the right person or the that person. Thanks anyway for your support, Scott. Good luck if you are, oh, I suppose, I hope that's you, running London this Sunday. You'll be in the air maybe when he listens to this. I'm going to thank our Callie Langford from Melbourne in Victoria, one of the ones that did have an address this week. She has ran 20.32 for a 5K in Melbourne last year at the uh, Melbourne Marathon Festival, 133 for the half marathon at a trail running series event, maybe 3.31 at the Perth Marathon last year, which mm, that might not work. I think Melbourne was in lockdown when the Perth Marathon was on last year, but maybe, you never know. Why don't you get these patrons to send some info to you when they sign up? No, because I like doing the research myself, Moose. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not, very, you're not real successful at the moment. Oh, yeah, this is a hard week. I'm pretty good every other week. Otherwise, they a, If they don't have a tap, Brady's not interested. Could you imagine how many, how hard that would be to, to monitor? Everyone just sending DMs. And then which part of it do you read out without offending someone? That would be rough, Moose. Well, you're not offending them if they've sent it to you. Yeah, but then once if you miss something, you can't read everything out. No, you're opening a can of worms there, Moose. Unless you want to volunteer to do it, I'm bored. Send them to Brady. Hit up Brady. Julian at the running company. Geelong.com. DM Brady. Tell him how good your swagger is because that's his favourite thing to comment on. I couldn't even see photos of these people today. But anyway, maybe also did two bays uh, this year. That would make sense if she lives in Melbourne. So thanks, Kelly, Scott, Ash. For your Patreon support, all the legends over there on patreon.com forward slash inside running podcast. Big week coming at you this week. Croaks and I might do a uh, Q&A episode, I reckon, this week, Croaks, if me and you are on school holidays. Christian from Norway will be on the airways on a Wednesday talking about Ooh, his Berlin Marathon. So, uh, nah, it'll be, be an interesting chat. When things don't go to plan, that's where you often do the learning. So I'm interested to see um, what's up with him and, and his experiences there on Sunday. Had a few quick conversations back and forth with him um, this morning before he went to bed. So, yeah, hopefully get to the bottom of what happened yesterday at the Berlin Marathon and hear from straight from the horse's mouth there because I know there'd be a lot of listeners pretty eager to hear what happened. That's a good segue, though, fellas, into the Berlin Marathon. Who do you want to start with? You want to start with Lisa, Kipchoge, or Acefa? Three amazing performances. Go, go Lisa Kipchoge. first. Oh, I was going to go Australian first, Croaks, but we'll go Kipchoge if that's what you suggested. Kipchoge broke the world record. He ran the first half of the marathon in 59.51. Yes, you heard that correctly if you haven't seen it already. And then he did pop a bit, not much though. He held on to set a new world record of two hours, one minute and nine seconds. So he took 30 seconds off his previous world record, which was set at Berlin in 2018, Moose. You and I were there. Yeah. Can't, can't claim that anymore, can we? Being in the same race as a world record. That's a shame. Well, we were. It was a world record. Yeah, but it's not that world record anymore. Yeah, it's it. still a world record, mate. That ain't go away. Was it the, t- the things we're hanging our hats on on this show these days? <laughs> um, two guys went with him, the Ethiopian and Adola. Um, I don't have their names right in front of me. They went through halfway with him. One of them, a dollar, ended up uh, DNFing, and the other one ran 206. So, Mate, more than two guys went. If you look at 5K, 
there is like six guys in that pack. Sorry, I meant halfway through. Yeah, yeah, it's well, halfway split. Halfway. Of course, no one's there. At fucking half. They went fifty nine, fifty one. But it, like they knew this was going out at sixty fifty. Like they're they're all in the same room. They can see the same slide up on the screen. Their managers are telling them it's well known that they're going through sixty fifty. Now, that's a dumb decision to go with that pack if you're not Ali Kipchoge, right? To go through sixty fifty. Now they've gone through like, what was it, 10 seconds quicker at the 5K mark, um, and they're still going with the pack. Can you explain to me how you, that, like, you can be thinking that's a good idea? You wrote that to us in the group as we were watching it. You're just like, why are these guys here? This is, this is suicide for these guys to be going, trying to hang on to this pace. You're not even at the front. Like, we can't. Your sponsors aren't that happy because you're not at the front. The camera's on Kipchoge and there's eight paces like across the front of him. So, like, you're not getting much airtime. I just, I just don't understand. I get that guy, like Guy Aradola did because he's, he's a 2-3 guy. Um, and the other guy did quite well to hold on. Um, ran, what, 2-5 or something, did he? 2-6, well, yeah. Yeah, 2-6, yeah, so yeah. Like... Bellyu. <laughs> Bellyu. It was, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it was carnage, but it was it was you you were seeing some some pretty dumb decision making. I thought. So take me back though. Why does that like you know people have taken um, photos in that technical meeting of what the paces are going to do? They've gone through a minute quicker than what they were meant to do. Like, how does that happen? I listened to Kipchoge in a little interview, and he basically said, "I was feeling good." Oh, so he just told him, "Let's get it rolling, boys." Well. I get if if he didn't want it, he would have said something like, he he said my legs feel good today. He said maybe I can go sub two. He he pretty much just threw it out in the wind and said let's have a crack. You know what those like, other fellas thinking they're going through in sixty fifty as well. And it's like oh yeah, it's a bit ambitious, but it's still you know just under sixty one. Then they get to halfway and the clock says fifty nine, fifty one. They're on a bonus. They. Uh, Oh, I wonder if, like, I guess because Kipchoge has asked for it and he's encouraged it, they would have to get a massive bonus for doing that, to run a half of 59-51 <laughs> when, you're, when you're like a pacer. Pretty yeah. Imagine if they turn around and said, no, nah, you you, we told you it was 60-50 and you've, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've yeah, disobeyed yeah. it. You had a 10-second window either way and now you've missed it. I'm sure Kip Chogi would just pay them out of his own pocket. Well, he slowed when they pulled out around 24k, didn't he? Or were they a bit before that? Yeah. That was his slowest 5k of the day when they dropped out. I think it was about there, yeah. Mm. And then he yeah. got back rolling again because it looked like maybe he was in trouble. Maybe he wasn't going to get the um, the world record and maybe it was going to blow out a bit. And the other guy stayed on him for a while, but then he disappeared pretty quick in that back half. Like, yeah. Kip Chogi probably put... Um, what he's put six minutes into him, five minutes, in probably the last 12, 12K. You, everything that you know about running, you were questioning as you were watching that first half. Like our, our um, understanding of pacing and of fatigue and uh, depletion and lactate thresholds and everything, the whole first half of that race, you're thinking, if he does this, like what? Like what? We have to rethink everything from here, <laughs> especially if there's guys that can hold on. Like especially if there's two four guys, two five guys in that pack who can hold on to two oh one pace. 
like it, it i was thinking this this would fuck with my whole philosophy on running if these guys pull this off so i was very content to see the pace slow because i thought okay the world is spinning normally um well i'm not crazy but how is he so good moose Mm. He, it's a good question. He is that much better than anyone else in his in the in the world. Has been for so long. I think he's had that one miss at London when it was wet that year, the COVID year. But every other race he's done has been a win or a gold medal or a sub two or a close to sub two at um, the Nike thing. Like he never rarely misses. And if it's a training philosophy. How come all the other guys in the camp with him and not like smacking yeah. two twos, two threes? Like, it's, it's not a training you know I mean? philosophy. It's, what, it's what, a, yeah. Is yeah. he a robot? I know There's, I've asked I that think, question before. Something's got to go on with this guy. I, I think he has this amazing mental mm. capacity where he can go in, like you said, ro- almost robotic, where he almost takes himself out of his body when he's running. And he just gets in this groove. And there's an incredible amount of positivity around him and gracefulness. And, like, I mean, you had Hugh Van Kylenberg on the show. Like, this guy epitomizes uh, flow what do you state. Call flow state. He puts himself in it, yeah. Yeah, just like um, he just appreciates – he just seems to appreciate everything. He's, he's such – I'm not saying positivity gets him there, but it's a combination of, of being, like uh, – accepting of the pain that he's in and almost like embracing it loving it and and just i guess getting genuinely inspired by what he's what he can do it's it's incredible it it's a good question we're asking because yeah i don't think that doing 12 1k is instead of 10 or doing an hour long fartlek is the difference here yeah, or the altitude factor that people, you know, the commentator said that a couple of times, but the majority of them are coming from altitude and spending mm. the same amount of time up there. And he's not getting any younger. Um, do you think it's, do you think what he puts himself through in those races is so special that he can only do it two times a year? Because he only races two, he'll do two marathons a year, that's it. You never see yeah. him on the track, you never see him drop down a half marathon, you know, you'd never see him rock up to a great north run or something like that that surely would be throwing money at him to get him there. It's just two marathons, do them, win, go. Yeah, I mean, it's different, isn't it? Not a lot of people can afford to do that. They, they need the other races. Um, probably even motivational-wise, like they, other athletes will need carrots along the way. They, they can't just, like, head to training camp for for however many months without um, going and testing themselves in a race. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, I, I, I recognise, I, I like what he does. He goes and takes himself off the grid. He goes back to bare bones stuff, goes super blue collar, like Rocky Four style train, <laughs> training camp, um, takes the distractions away. He's an equal with the others. Uh, he doesn't let anything sort of influence or... Um, uh, uh, like distract him from his his training. His training is number one. Like there's no distractions, no TVs, or well, maybe there's a TV or something, but he's just like a monk. I think even with the way he sees his family, I think he just goes home on the Sunday and sees his family and then he's back to camp after that. Yeah, It is interesting though that he's not um, – like he's not that interested in going and breaking a world half marathon record, which – 
you'd have to think that he'd be capable of doing, you know, given the fact he's going through half in a marathon in 59-50, feeling pretty comfortable. Um, I almost get the feeling now that he he's not going to be satisfied until he breaks two hours in a legitimate marathon. I feel like that's almost his goal now. Like, yes, he's broken two hours, but there's those question marks around, all right, it's not a legitimate race, whereas to do it on a you know certified course and um, in a, you know, where it's completely legal, I feel like that's what motivates him now. Whoever runs yeah. his, I'm just on his Instagram now, whoever runs his social media does a good job as well. Like they're, they're putting in enough about him that you still think it's him. <laughs> but he's, um, yeah, it's well curated. Always got a book next to him as well. You notice that? He's, he loves reading. Don't know if he reads any of them or just for the photos, but yeah. No, I've seen something on Didn't he do a lecture somewhere as well? <laughs> I definitely know that he read a book He was and he, he spoke to the author about it uh, or he contacted the author about it. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. Does it make it a bit boring though? So... I must admit, when I when I watched it yesterday, I was I really enjoyed the first half because one they were running quick, two there was another guy with him who still looked pretty comfortable at that point. But then from the twenty eight k mark, I'm like, I'm not really that like I'm not really that interested anymore. Like I, I know I know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, he'll he's not going to break two hours, but he'll probably run faster than you know his previous world record. It's not that exciting to watch. And you don't, for the average person, they don't get any context of how fast he's actually running because most people watching don't actually realise how quick a two, you know, 250, 255 per K is. Um, yeah, well, what, the your average thoughts? person couldn't watch it anyway because it wasn't That's available. what I was about yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> the average person watching has gone to about eight different VPN sites to get, <laughs> like, they're, they're obviously a bit of a running nerd. Um, but he did win by four minutes. Yeah. Almost, almost five. Yeah, I, I thought this was interesting because oh, yeah. it was so different because we haven't seen him actually do this before. Like he hasn't broken from the plan. Like he he's always seems to have a plan. He just executes it every time. That is boring. Um, he doesn't care if it's boring, but for the spectator it is a bit. And they never like you didn't you don't really get anyone competing with him. But it was fun to watch him have it like do throw it in the, the the wind like this just throw caution out and i i i love watching it i i was actually more i i don't love watching marathons I, it it's kind of is a bit boring but i loved seeing what he was doing and um the anticipation of what would happen especially yeah. late like you these commentators are giving him the record at 35k and i was thinking there's a long way to go for a bloke who's just gone a minute under his race plan through halfway like you see a 3.11 pop up, I'm like, oh, imagine Kipchoge runs a 3.20. Like, it would just be, that would be a fun thing to watch. Did a part of you want it to happen, Moose? Definitely. You I mean, to I see wanted him it to happen. I wanted to see it happen because it proved, like Brad said, it proves he's human and it, it proves that no one can escape the physiology of running too fast early. But, but the problem with yesterday was it was like, Given how fast his first half was, the positive split wasn't that bad. He's run, what, 61.20 for the second half, yeah. which is – it's not a bad blow-up. You, you look at him crossing the finish line, his form still looks amazing. Like, you know, you don't, you don't want to wish it on any – flag. 
yeah, you don't want to wish it on anybody, but how good would to, how good would it be to see Kipchoge with three k to go, his form just fall apart, and <laughs> him actually struggling to the finish line? Yep, still win the race, but just look like you're falling apart. It just doesn't happen. Nah, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I was hoping for it. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I love him, but I was I love running more, and it would have been good for running to see it happen. Yeah. I reckon the pace is there's his usual guy. We were talking about him on the road to Berlin the other day. Boyt, I think his name is, but he wasn't one of the paces this time. I reckon he's the one that can usually get him to 30, 28, 30. It's usually two or three pull out, and he's the one that can hang in for a bit longer. I reckon he cost him going a bit quicker, not being there. Not sure where my mate Boyt is, but that was just you my reckon, observations. Yeah. I reckon, yeah, this is the one. Christian knows. He's the one that can go a bit longer. Anyway, that was the men's race. Pretty amazing to watch. Saw it, seeing a world record there. And it was mainstream media today. Saw it pop up on a few uh, different sites and things. So people talking about him again. Running in the news is a good thing. Moosh, want to tell us about the women's race? This was this was kind of overshadowed, I thought. It was an amazing race. Yeah. But you hardly see the footage of the women. Um, but what happened in this race was spectacular. Yeah, so there was the third fastest time in history was was run and you're right we didn't see much of it uh 28 year old ethiopian tigist asefa shocked the world by running the time that she did winning the race uh, i remember seeing i think it was the 10k mark the um the pack was massive <laughs> like the ladies there's probably 10 ladies in it but there would have been 30 blokes 40 blokes so a pack of about 50 people um and it was hard for the camera to pick up the actual contenders because they were deep in the pack and there was men all around the outside. And I remember they did shine on Ticket, or we'll call her Ticket or a Sefa. Uh, and she was wearing a pink top, Adidas. And Tim Hutchings has seen the number. He obviously looked at his page and he saw her previous PB, which was 234 um, at Riada. Was that? Where's that? Riyadh. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. Look it up. Jeez. In March, she came seventh in the marathon. Um, Saudi Saudi Arabia, maybe. Um, ran two thirty four. Yeah, it is. It's a capital moose. Yeah, I just I remember him saying something about Saudi Arabia, um, but he's got he's actually made a comment that he like uh, hopefully someone plays that back to him every single day of his life. He said, "This it's oh, I was like." This girl has no business being in this pack. What on earth is she thinking? And she's come through and basically just dropped them off one by one by one. And um, we didn't see a lot of the race, to be honest, because the cameras were on Kipchoge the whole time. But, yeah, like 2.15.37. What would she go through halfway and Do we have that split? Yeah, I think it was 68 low, 68.08, I think. Yeah, so she's she's had a great negative split. Um one stat that I did see was that she's the only athlete to go sub two hours. No, I mean sub two minutes in the 800 and sub 220 in the marathon. I believe that um, that was the stat. I'm not sure where I saw that, but pretty pretty cool little stat. Yeah, that's uh, an amazing stat. Look, to be honest, she's come out of nowhere and there are always little questions when people come out of, well, big questions when people come out of nowhere. So she was a two, she was obviously an 800 meter runner, no track PBs for 1500, 5k or 10k. She ran a 34, 35, 10k in 2018. Now 
that is garbage. That is a garbage time for for someone like who's run two fifteen four years later. Uh, how, how does she get into this? You reckon, Moose? This like, race? Yeah, like some agent has. She's got to be doing something special somewhere because there's no race results. But some well, agent the 10K, has seen her. She ran ten k at thirty fifty two. And then she ran a half in 67.28 this year. So she's showing some okay. form, some form. That'll get you on a start line. Clearly doesn't get you in the commentator's shortlist. Um, so that is, it is a shocking result. Shocking as in like no one was expecting it. Um, and come from nowhere, yeah, we do look suspiciously when this happens. Like there, there's no real question about that. Everyone's going, how did this happen? Uh, normally, you've got to show some form coming in. But uh, I guess that she had showed form, like in terms of her like ten k and half. It's she more ran than... sixty seven twenty eight. That's two fifteen pace. Yeah, well, 60, 60, 50. Well, she ran thirty fifty. Sorry for ten fifty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's run a half in the same, basically, like nearly the same pace that she's ran a marathon in. That that's. Mm. So a lot of guys croaks who can run thirty fifty two that get nowhere near two fifteen. Yeah. She, but can they run sub the, two for eight hundred? We'll put yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, Cat Bizzy can run sub two for eight hundred, you you know, betting that she's gonna run two fifteen for the marathon. Yeah. It's it's a unique you know, because most 800-meter runners realise that they're eight hundred meter runners and the thought of stepping up to even a five K is like yeah because they're just a different athlete like they're just fast twitch more power whereas obviously she was probably in the wrong event like you know yeah 159 still incredible for the 800 but you know she's basically better marathoner than she was 800 runner um yeah well we know that now yeah 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 it was amazing so put it this way though she's broken the course record and like it's not like Berlin doesn't get quality fields over the years. She broke the course record by over two minutes, <laughs> two and a half minutes actually, and she also set an Ethiopian record. Like these are, yeah, strong races, strong countries competing in them, and she's absolutely smacked everyone up. So that was a surprise. I wish we saw more footage of it, but we didn't. Um, but then she came down the straight, and she was just dropping fellas everywhere, wasn't she? Picking them up and just spitting them out the back door. But the big Australian story there was Lisa Waitman. She went out hard. She went through the half marathon in 70.39, boys. So she wasn't mm. mucking around early. Um, she faded a bit in the second half, but still ran a PB. She ran 2.24.00 to finish 15th in the race. Moves her to third all-time behind Benita Willis. Her Australian record is 2.22.36. Lisa Ondiecki, I'm pretty sure she's ran 223.53, I think. I did see that today. Don't have it in my show notes here, though. So she was just seven seconds, I think, outside yeah, of Lisa's it's close. time. Yeah, it's it was close. very close in the end. Um, her PB previously was 225.15 for London in 2017. She's 43 years of, of age. Um, I thought this was phenomenal. And gutsy, like, going for it early. Like... Yeah, what did she split half with you at the Gold Coast Croaks? Well, she didn't go with that pace, did she? Uh, no, she, so I went through 72, and she was a fair way back off what, that. What was the Gold Coast half one in? I think she would have won the half marathon with this marathon split yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to watch, wasn't it? It's it's not often you see a um, see a marathoner, like, as, 
I mean, we saw it with Kipchoge, obviously, but experienced as as her, who who tends to get the pacing perfect, like really put it on the line like she has, and gone, yep, I'm going for the Australian record, uh, and I'm going to run fast from the gun and try and get it. Um, so huge kudos for for her doing that, and I know there's a, like in a few message groups, but like holy shit, like the message, the theme was holy shit, is she going to do this? And then every split came through like she was the one we were looking for. Still on pace, still on pace. And it was like, oh, I reckon she's looking pretty good. And then you saw one that was slower. I think she went from 322s and she ran 328s for that split. Mm. It's like, oh, is it, hap- is it is the wheels falling off here? And she's done a very good job of of uh, control, damage control to, to, to keep um, things sort of, I guess, still ticking along enough where she can pull off this PB, even though that she didn't run that two, two twenty-two that she was sort of going for. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't fade like you typically see a marathon. Or like once they start dropping six seconds a kilometre, because as you said, she was running like three twenty-twos pretty much up to like halfway, and then from halfway to twenty-five k, she was averaging three twenty-eight for that bit. And you're like, oh, okay, this is where it starts to, like, people then generally start to maybe add five seconds a K. So, you know, the next 5K splits, mm. 335s, then 340s. But she, between 25 and 30, she's gone 329s, 30 to 35, 332s, 35 to 40, 330s, and then rallied for 322 pace for the last 2.2. So, you know, yes, she slowed down after halfway, but she then was able to pretty much roll 330s the second half which is, you know, still good running. That's strength, isn't it, to be able to do that? Like not yeah. blow strength, it yeah. yeah. Strength, experience, toughness, um, there's a lot to like about that. And do you think, although we often say, you know, the best way to do it is negative split it, but if you've got that strength and you want to roll the dice, um, you know, kudos to her for having a crack at it. Yeah, well, I still think negative split is the way to go. Yeah, I reckon if she had a 30 to 40 seconds slower through half, it may have, may have equated to, you know, 30 seconds faster overall. Might have seen a 2.23.30 kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. But, but, we, yeah. but we, love, we love how you think, Brady. <laughs> I think it's a matter of our plan, that yeah. one. Look, look forward to seeing you go through uh, 65 in Valencia. Oh, boys, I'm getting so excited about going to Valencia after watching Berlin last night. I was so shattered we weren't there after doing it three years in a row and then just sitting on my couch watching it. I'm like, oh, I'd love to be in Berlin and a real, like, influencer kind of vibe. Everywhere I was looking, I was seeing a lot of stuff about Berlin. I know Croce were getting all over that kind of stuff. And then I'm just like, hang on, I'll get my time in 10 weeks when I get over to Spain, get to the Valencia. We'll bang some time early over there, I think. Right. So, so, Brady, like, I was talking to Toby about this. Two, 2.15 is the new 2.20. That you're going to need to run 215 to get a spot on these start lines. What start lines? Berlin. We don't have it. Well, on the sub elite, you reckon? Yeah, it's not going to be 220 anymore. You're going to have to run 215. I never really, we never really got spots though on start lines. We just go with that fast runner section, which is like 230. That's, that's what I'm talking about. You no, reckon I reckon they got, you got to put drink. You got to put drinks out in Berlin. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I did. Oh, I did the second. Yeah, when I ran 2.21, I think I got to. But, yeah, I think you, like, I'm not sure how long the party is for guys like us anymore. Um, if Well, guys like you who, 
who who get in in that 218 to 222 bracket i reckon that's coming down quick for these races like if you look at how many people um at valencia are running mm. that sort of time and Seville uh, and those big ones yeah and then they're, they're going the to, because berlin is a fucking different marathon it is the fastest place on earth to run we saw that again uh it just doesn't compare to anywhere else you got to, you go there it's on you to fuck it up like the course and conditions is epic every single year it just takes that out of the equation um and then it comes down to your pacing and your health on the start line and your fitness and your yeah your your execution of the race because there were some blow-ups yesterday like i was following a few people seeing some blow-ups i mean we saw our mate christian he had a real shit one dnf 35k or earlier maybe um we saw others have pretty decent blow-ups, um, and and the, there's no excuses for that. Not at yeah. Berlin. Not at Berlin. You don't get to make excuses. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna quote again. I'm gonna quote Ali, who was was watching at the same time. We have a message group. Um, there is actually this is her. She probably get get me. I'll get in trouble for this. Um, there is actually no excuse in Berlin. If you go in fit and healthy, the only way you fuck it up is if you run too fast for your ability or you get food poisoning the day before. Now, I think that's fair. I think we... Yeah, or, we, or other sicknesses. Yeah, or other sicknesses. It, I mean, it's your, it, it, she's making a point. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very well set up stuff. for you. Yeah. Um, what are the and, variables that you look at other races and not there at Berlin? Yeah, but like my like my moose on the loose this week is about how people describe their marathons, and and the thing that pisses me off so much, so much is when someone says, "I was feeling great at 20k, I was feeling great at 23k, and all of a sudden I was cooked," or I got to 28k and all of a sudden I just felt really tired and my legs got sore. Yeah, <laughs> it it doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck how good you felt at 10 miles in or 20K or 22K or 30K. Mm. Like, you're supposed to feel good. That's not a bonus. Like, you're... The, the football analogy, Moose, would be like, oh, awesome, we're up by 30 at half time, but we lost by 10 in the end. But we yeah. felt awesome good at half time. Half, yeah, just don't know what happened. <laughs> don't know what happened. Except that we spent all our fucking bickies in the first quarter, <laughs> ran around with head, like headless chooks, and uh, and yeah, it just not my day. Like the amount of that's not there's there's more to it than it not being your day. Like that's the other thing. Every single major marathon that comes around, like you see the elites, we see on the Instagram, it's like not my day. Not, not my. There's a reason it wasn't your day. Let's get into the reason why it wasn't your day. And 95% of the time, it was either bad training or bad execution on the day. Like, mm-hmm. that's what Black made it what? not your day. Um, and, and I just, I feel like people think it's got to do with luck. And, and running a marathon does not have to do with luck, especially running one well. It, it, it triggers me a lot. Triggers me a lot. Yeah, I agree though. And when you see those things, especially in the marathon, when when it's before twenty k, like was feeling, you know, from ten k on, I was done. You're like, how from ten k on? Like the ten k first ten k should be fun. 
you kind of chilling, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, on, you're asleep. You're, you're still waking up. You're yeah. like, this is fucking boring. Like, I'm looking around going, what, what is going on here? Like, I think, that one's more, I think that one's more training. Like, maybe you've left the race out and a workout two weeks before. Yeah, this isn't anyone in particular. No, this no, is no. actually this is just a general, general. feel yeah. I've had over the past, like, two or three years of watching marathons. And it, it's like, we, we have a funny message group where we just, we screenshot, wasn't my day. And it's like, and just, it's basically just a full list of not my day. Uh, and it's it, every marathon you get 15 of them, chuck them all in the group. Um, and, and then you go to the next marathon and there's another 15 or 20 from around the world of people on Strava or whatever. It, it's like, we, what they it? do down there, croaks in their spare time, screenshots people's Stravas and send them in. Not my day. No, it's not their Strava. It's like, it's basically just not my, like we don't even take any notice of anything else. It's just not my day. That's the laughing thing right now. Cause it's so used. Um, we spoke about it on our um, don't have a don't have a bad run Brady in Valencia or if you do don't don't put it wasn't my day Mate, chuck, take ownership of your bad run I'm just going to chuck me Cora straight in the river there Craigs <laughs> Brady will take ownership of his run no I think you've got to be analytic and look at why it worked yeah as I said yeah the poor races I've had it's like hey let's get a blood test oh yeah your iron's low or like you come down with sickness 24 hours later. Like you want to know why it's not your day? Because I know athletes who haven't had their days for two years. And I look at them on Strava training through it. And I'm like, whoa, from the outside looking in here, something's going on. You've got to figure out why it hasn't been your year. Mm. That It's like it's sometimes sad to watch. Like there's something going on here. I think, yeah, you need to so address stuff. Let's, uh, let's just do a quick uh, – this is a great segue. Why – what, where did Christians go wrong? I think, why wasn't it? Why I wasn't think, it Christians' day? I think he's sick. Or you reckon he got COVID or something? Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I, I just quickly spoke to him this morning, and he was he, he was at a stage where he thought he probably shouldn't have started. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, we'll I'll hear from him on um we'll hear from him on air Wednesday, but yeah, hindsight's always a, a good thing post marathon, but yeah, and I think for him as well, like what. He wasn't like he went out crazy quick. He was pretty controlled through half, I thought. And to be then, to be then off just after half, I think that's different to being his, off. His pacing was good. Yeah, that's what I mean. But if that was like, you know, if you expected to see him fading like that from thirty-five to forty, you go, oh yeah, okay, come in, you run two twenty-one, you lost a minute at the back end there. Um, but to be like, he's a very proud guy, and to be walking on the side of the road just after half. And st- I think he had to stop and go to Portaloos a couple of times. So, yeah. He had a sickness. Potentially. Hear it straight from the horse's mouth Wednesday. Anyway, good recap. Should we uh, see a friend of the show, Kane Corns, is ready to have a bit of a chat about what he's been up to? Didn't think we were going to talk for that long about Berlin, but I think I've got him here and we can uh, get him in. You got a bit of an introduction ready for him, Moose? Yeah, here we go. All right, we're here with Kane Corns now. For those not from Australia, uh, we'll just explain a little who Kane is. He's a 300-game footballer from the Port Adelaide Football Club, plays in the AFL. Media personality, big time. Always up on my Instagram, like clips of him making people mad. Um, But more importantly, he's a 234 marathoner. So real credit in the running game. 
Um, and the reason we're talking to him today, he's, he's just finished Kane's run, which was 725K Mel- Adelaide to Melbourne. He did that over 12 days, over 60K per day. But the big, biggest sort of takeaway, $362,000 raised for uh, a children's room for children with cancer to have a room. Kane, is that, uh, is that right? Pretty much, Moose. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, My Room Children's Cancer Charity. So all the money went to kids affected by cancer and their families. So, yeah, it's 362 grand, which is incredible. We had a goal to raise 200. So just thank everyone that got behind it. It was an incredible um, experience, but uh, I'm glad it's finished. <laughs> How is the body, mate? Yeah, I'm struggling. Like, I I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I had no idea how to train for it. Um, you know, you, you sign up for these things back in July and it sounds great. And then the closer it comes, the more daunting it gets. And you think to yourself, you know, you won stress fracture away. And I've, I've had a lot of stress fractures from not finishing. And that was the biggest nightmare for me is, is starting something and, and raising money and not being able to finish. So had a couple of hairy moments throughout um but luckily there was no stress fractures or broken bones and i could finish but have pulled up pretty rough now so i'm finished on thursday we're speaking on on monday night clearly and yeah i reckon i've still got a a week or two to recover yeah perhaps some of that uh crazy training you do sort of helped you out here (laughs) (laughs) i do run a lot like i I love running i got no idea what i'm doing like I, i i don't have a coach i run around uh, media work schedule and I work seven days a week and travel and spend three days of my week in Melbourne so I try and fit running in when I can and obviously listen to you boys a lot and the, the talk of slow recovery runs and that just, just doesn't sort of fit with me sometimes I've only got an hour window to get it in but since I retired I yeah I, I fell in love with running and it's you know the sport that I'm most passionate about but having said that I, I don't really have any idea what I'm doing and you certainly wouldn't copy any training that I do if you're going to be any good at doing it Mate, we can take you off the football field but we can't take the football field out of you still a classic <laughs> still a classic footy player runner that's how I look at your Strava um, <laughs> what, does that mean? what does that mean? it means that you do everything too hard yeah it means that you like you want to you feel like anyway we'll move on but this is you, you you like to work hard we can tell that you want to hurt in training that's what that's what footy players like to do um hey you went out hard mate first day i looked yeah. at your strava yeah. and you've gone up some serious hills like a thousand meters 60k or something running 430s and i actually think i said debris i'm like oh i think he's fucked this i think this is too hard <laughs> <laughs> How's he going to wake up tomorrow and do that again? Uh, oh, well, you're, you're spot on. We, um, I had no idea. I should have known, but straight up the freeway out of Adelaide, it, it is straight up. And so I was 1,157 metres of, of elevation. And I'm, a, I'm an Esplanade runner. So I do all my runs. I live along the beach. I do all my runs along the flat Esplanade. And I don't get any hill training in like, like you boys do. So... I should have done a bit more. So I was a shock to the system. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, that's just the pace that I run at. Like I never run slower than sort of 440. So I just took off and did it and um, pulled up really rough and <laughs> actually had a meeting with, uh, there were four other guys with me and a couple of them 
do do a little bit of running. Like Dan, the cameraman, has done a few marathons. Nothing crazy, but loves his loves his running. He said, "Mate, you got to you have to pull it up. Like you have to slow this down to five minutes per k, or you won't get through it." And the up and down, you know, you, you understand that the up's hard, but the down's harder on your body. So my my quads were were really rough. But anyway, I pulled up the next day. I think I did. So I did 65 the first day. I think we did 65 the second day. And I think I only slowed down to 434s on the second day. Um, 432s, mate. That okay. So I, oh, was it? Yeah, oh, I've got okay. it in front well, of me. I, yeah, I did. I did run quick. We, I mean, that's not. I obviously paused the. Oh, I'm wearing a Coros watch now. The first time I've sort of worn them other than the Garmin. You can pause it. So we'd sort of punch out 30 in the morning, and then. By 9.30, stop and have a break. So you understand that I didn't just do that straight, if you know what I mean. It wasn't start to finish. I did stop the watch and pause and have a break and have something to eat a couple of times throughout the day. So you know, when you factor in the breaks, you do get to freshen up a little bit. So uh, I guess that makes it less severe on the body. The, uh, you'd also stiffen up, though, I imagine. You don't, like, yeah. don't they say that the, the, the thing you want to avoid in an ultra marathon is the chair? You don't want to sit down? Well, it's, it sounds like a great idea to stop and the relief of it, but you're right. That was the worst part. So then getting up and starting again, I don't know if you saw any of the vision on my Instagram account. When I had to start again, I looked like I was 102 years old. Like I just, <laughs> my whole back stiffened up, my glutes, my quads. Uh, it was just rough. So the stopping and starting, you're right, to the point where later on in the, the run, I, I, I feared stopping because I knew, just knew the pain that was going to come with it and same went for the mornings um you know you just dread waking up in the morning and and getting started once you get started it's okay and you warm up but you had some rough weather along the way um and you know a few few issues with the body but all in all like honestly it was a remarkable experience it was well resourced had a great crew with me and most importantly raised a, a lot of money yeah that's like one thing I reckon one big reason why it went so well, especially with the fundraising side of it, is because you, you couldn't fake or hide how much you were hurting. People could see mm. how much of a battle you were going through, like, uh, and it looked hard and it looked like you were sacrificing a lot. You were going through a lot of pain, and I reckon that's what got so many people around it. Well, you're right. Like, so there's the there's the mental aspect of it. Uh, in you know, you, you finish day one, and you think, okay, well, that was really hard. I'm gonna have to wake up and do that tomorrow, and then I have to do it for ten more days after that. So you got the mental aspect of it, and um, you know, you're running in the rain. You got these big kick-ass trucks that are mm-hmm. banked up like ten in a row behind you because we're we're driving at twelve kilometres an hour on the road, you know, two lane highway, and these trucks have got a deadline. They got no idea what this dickhead's doing <laughs> up ahead running. Well, we've got signs and things like that, but you reckon truck drivers give a shit about that? So you got them literally with their hand on their horn honking you, um, which was a bit sketchy and a bit, you know, a bit, you know, you, when you're tired and you're fatigued, and you got ten trucks behind you with their hand on the horn. So you had some moments. You know, like that, uh, dead animals on the side of the road. Just all great experiences, but there were some anxious moments. And then you had the, the physical side of things as well. And I guess the overwhelming dread that you may not finish. There was always that mm. prospect that, you know, you know, I'm not someone who signs up for something and finishing. It's like you boys, when you, you put your hand up to do a marathon, even if you're, you're not feeling your best and you're not running the time you're on for the time that you think you're going to run you know you want to finish and i've heard you guys speak about that before and everyone wants to finish so yeah the anxiety of 
of the prospect of not finishing was there. So it was a, it was an excellent mental experience for me, and, and unlike anything I've ever done. What do you reckon the hardest leg was? Uh, I, I honestly think it was day one, um, just be, because of those yeah, because of those hills and the elevation. Which you know, I, I wouldn't run one thousand one hundred fifty-seven in a week. You know, even you know, even yeah. though I'm doing sort of one fifty, one sixty k's, I. I don't cover that sort of distance, and then to think that you got to back it up. So that was hard. But then, yeah, towards I woke up on day twelve, and we only had to get forty-two k's out to get the, the uh, seven twenty-five, and I I couldn't get out of bed. Like Lucy was with me, and I, every move it was like my breath had been taken away with my back, and my back had all seized up. Um, I thought I actually don't know if I can finish this run. So yeah, there was a couple of moments, but yeah, day one physically was um, was pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, and uh, do you reckon you could have like kept going another day? I doesn't sound yeah, like. I said, nah. I said I couldn't have run a kilometre more. Oh, that's what I said when I finished. Um, no, I'm, I'm sure if you if your life depended on it, you you could have sort of wheeled out a couple of six minute k's. But um, I think you know, I was just at my limit. Uh, you know, everyone told me I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, and everything was sort of shutting down in a sense, and just the fatigue factor with, you know, with the whole draining of your your system, which I probably didn't understand. So, yeah, I think I was I think I was right on the limit. I'm not that young anymore. Like I'm 39, so there's probably only so much you can do with a bit of wear and tear on the body. So, I think we we sort of timed our run pretty well. Yeah, paced it perfect. Yeah, it was a um. There are a few funny comments. Um, about the headband, mainly from me, but oh, yeah, within our group. <laughs> I thought, uh, what purpose is this serving? <laughs> this. I, had a, I had a couple of people say that as well. And we, we just had, there was just some little like things that got the group up as well. You know, when you're just searching for something. So some days it was like, all right, fellas, we're going to wear our headbands like Rambo. And then we're, all the whole crew will put their headbands on and you, you realise you sort of look like a dickhead. But then... It did actually serve a purpose because I was running with my AirPods in and freezing cold in the morning when it's windy. It sort of made the AirPods sit in a bit tighter and kept the ears warm. So anyway, I'm claiming that was the reason why I look so stupid. <laughs> um, now, Kane, you're going to have another crack at 2.30? Yeah, so I am. I definitely am. I, As I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing when I... Well, I'm not... So I'm not that's... I, I do have some indication of what I'm doing. I've, I've listened to you guys enough and have been around enough elite runners to, to have some sort of understanding, but I haven't had a, a program and a proper go at it where everything's worked, and I understand that's unrealistic to think of the course of a marathon preparation. Everything's going to work perfectly. Um, but I reckon, I don't know if I've got 2.30 in me, Moose, but yeah, I think low low 2.30s would be a, a good goal. I'm probably going to do New York. Uh, I've... I've um, you know I've got a few Ks behind me now, um, and if I can get I don't know three or four weeks of reasonable speed in my legs before New York, um, I'm going to have a crack at that. Now that's a tough course; it's hilly. I've done it before, so 2:30 is probably unrealistic, particularly with my build-up. But I am desperate to to get as close to 2:30 as I can, and and have a couple of good marathons left in me. Yeah, sounds good, and um, I think. That's why the the running world kind of have a lot of respect for you is because you you show the running world respect back, 
uh, not like mm. a lot of sort of other kind of we'll call them celebrity runners. Um, we appreciate. I like. Well, it's I, been a massive week. I, I can't wait to listen to the podcast. It's been you know Kipchoge and what Lisa Waitman did in Berlin. It's been huge. So I. I love all that aspect of it, and um, I, I think I've spoken to you guys about it before. I'm blown away by um, the training and the athletes that the runners are. Like I, I came from a footy background where we, we we trained hard, but nothing like this. Like so, I've just got I've, I've just got a lot of respect for for those that do it day in day out. And the AFL players get eight ten weeks off a year. Runners don't take a day off. So and, and and the work that they do, whilst often working full time for little to no reward, like on, it honestly blows me away. So they're the athletes that I respect the most, and there's nowhere to hide. Like you know, you watch an AFL grand final, and Gary Rowan can have seven possessions in a grand final, but he still walks away with a premiership medallion. Like you're on your own out there as a runner, and there's there's nowhere to hide. So there's a lot of things I love about it, and and there's just a couple of them. So it is genuine. Um, my love for the sport and, and my respect for the athletes. Cornsey, do you reckon the um, footy world and the boys you work with on the panel understood what you were putting your body through on some of these days? Like just seeing um, some of you know, not huge kudos on Strava, and I think a lot of this is from the running world. Like, do you really think he connected with the, the footy nuts out there? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I think they had empathy for what I was going through because... Um, a little bit to what Moose said, they could see that I was suffering, and a, and a couple of them came up and visited. Like Nathan Brown came up to Ballarat one night. Um, Tony Jones got no idea about running, came up to Neil, and he just looked at me and said, I, "He said, I don't reckon you're going to finish." I said, oh, "Thanks, TJ. That's, that's <laughs> just, just what I need. Just what I need to hear on the end of day five. Um, so probably, probably not. Um, but having said that, the support it's almost bought sort of people together that I hadn't seen for a while like my old man I've never seen him this proud of something I've done which is really un- unlike him and my brother was just not a runner at all but he was just blown away by what I was doing he was texting me like multiple times during the day and so that was really special and then I had Mona come up to you know, Mona, Mona got it like he saw me in Ballarat I had I think three days to go and I saw him that morning and he could tell that I was really hurting and he just gave me a big hug and he said look you just got to break it down I, you know I had about 200 k's to go and he said alright you just you got to get it to 160 and then you just tick it off and all of a sudden you'll be under 100 then it'll be two marathons to go then it's a marathon then it's a lap of your favourite track and you just sort of break it down that way so he was awesome uh, it was great to, to see him and those runners that did understand it, um, they were there as well and, and, and huge with their support. You know, Jess Stenson and, and Sinead Diver and, and runners like that were, were, were quick with their with their support and their messages. Yeah. Are you um, following along because Achana murray Bartlett, she's going from the top of Australia to the bottom and there's also a guy going from, I think, uh, west to east coast, east to west maybe. I'm not familiar. What was his name? Moose, you were talking about him the other day. Brock. Ned Brock. Yeah, yeah. You guys in a like, little message that, group together or anything? Wow, that just, that's next level. Like, that just, I can't get my head around it. But that's 100Ks a day for 40 days. Now, he hasn't quite achieved that yet because he's had some issues with his body and he's missed a couple of days where he's had to go and get an MRI. I can't fathom what he's doing. Honestly, like this is what I did on, you know, you know magnified by a thousand. It's crazy stuff. I mean, so there's some, there's some really mentally strong people out there 
for me, this was about about the limit. I'm not sure I could have done what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Gonzi, can people still donate? Yeah, so I think it's I think they can if you just Google Canes Run. We were going to shut it off, but um, Dangerfield sent me a message on the Thursday just before I was about to finish, and he said, "Look, blown away by what you've done." Um, win or lose, I'm going to auction off my grand final jumper and it's going to go towards your tally. And I was like, oh, that's unbelievable. And I hadn't read, I was, I was in the midst of just fatigue and a, a mental zone that I've never been in before. So I just sort of skimmed the message and I said, oh, that's amazing. Thanks so much. And anyway, there was a line under it said, please don't, t- please don't tell anyone, just keep this between us. But I didn't, I didn't read that. So I went on this Thursday night show where we finished and that the finish line. I said, oh, the how good's this? Patrick Dangerfield has never won a premiership. He's just sent me a text message. He says he's going to auction off his Guernsey if they win or lose and the money's going to go towards the tally. Anyway, it's gone bunter on social media. Channel 9 <laughs> has, has tweeted about it. And I, so bad of me, I hadn't read the last line. Anyway, we had him on the show yesterday and he said, oh, you know, can't remember when I said not to tell anyone. He said, thanks for, thanks for revealing <laughs> to everyone what I'm doing. And I went back and read the message and found out, oh, my God, so I felt sick. Um, so luckily they won and everything played out beautifully. I don't know what a what his Guernsey would be worth. Well, I don't know. He played pretty well and first premiership. It'd have to be 20 or 30 grand, I reckon. So we'll put that towards the tally and then we'll, we'll shut it off. Yeah, nice. So good. All well, right. All the best for the prep for New York, mate. You'll be in good company over there. Yeah. Jess Denson, Eloise Wellings, yeah. also on the line. Yeah, it's like it's my favourite event. I, you know, if I if I didn't have to work, I'd just travel the world running marathons, as as you boys probably would do the same. That's what I would do. But um, did New That's York six months um, off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty. Well, I still have to go to the radio show. Don't have to do the weekends. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I did New York 2016. I mean, I did it in three hours ten. So I was just a, a plotter back then. Um, but it's the best thing I've ever done. It's incredible. So. Yeah, really special. Hopefully I can get in some sort of reasonable shape to not disgrace myself. Kane, uh, this run that you've done, has this inspired you to maybe have another crack at a, like a competitive ultra or has it turned you off ultra events? Um, well, Brad, I've never done... I've never. I've, I've, I've always only been passionate about marathons. Like, I don't have a lot of time for 5K, 10K. I've done a half marathon, which I enjoy, but, you know, I'm not really super passionate about it. so just be, it's just been marathons or bus for me um but yeah so probably probably not um to answer your question if i if i was i just want to run good marathons really that would be where my focus would be so um it's always difficult during footy season because all the good marathons are on a sunday and i work sunday morning so it's hard to find a good one um so i think i'll just stick to you know i'm as I said, I'm 39. I'm not sure how, how long you can run for. Maybe got two or three more good ones in me. Um, Croaks was running yeah, PBs at 39, weren't you, Brad? Yeah, well, well, 30, well, 30, 37. Yeah. Uh, are you are you 40 yet? You're 41. Yeah, I'm 42. Yeah, okay. You're still going pretty well. Yeah, so. There's inspiration there. Yeah. Moose yeah. will write your Moose will write your program. Get you under under two thirty, <laughs> mate. Uncoachable, yeah. mate. Uncoachable. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> All right, Kane. Massive thanks for your time, and well done on the fundraising again. And um, yeah, thanks for being a listener of the show as well. No, nah, anytime, fellas. Uh, what you guys do for the sport's incredible. Um, 
listen every week and and love the show. It's it's uh, it's amazing. You do great stuff. So keep it up, and really appreciate you shining a light on the cause and, and the reason I did it. Thanks. Actually, Cornsy, one more thing. I had a word yep. inside Channel Nine. Someone let this out that your um, volcano segment was actually taken from My Moose on the Loose. <laughs> well, I've said this to you before. I I like your style. Like I think I, I, I think in the running world, as you guys have alluded to, occasionally on the the show, I, I think we can be a bit soft on poor performance, and I understand why. Like I I, I understand why that is the case. But I, I think if if I was going to give advice to the running media, I think it would be, you, you can be critical. You know, if someone has a shit performance or their preparation was poor or they got their tactics wrong, I think you can call it out. And you know, not that I'm a tactical aficionado with running or anything like that, but I think there's room for that. Like, you know, these are, these are full-time professional athletes sometimes mm. to, to some extent, and it's not personal. Like, if you, if you suck it up, you suck it up. And I think that's okay to be called out for that or if, you know, if, if there's selection dramas as you guys have done and you think that's wrong, then call it out, which you've done. So that, that's why I do like Loose on the Loose. And I, I do like your style and you're not afraid to, to do that where others, you know, are. Good. I love what you're saying there. I agree fully. Um, we'll just let Brady do it because he, uh, he needs a bit more, <laughs> a few more DMs. I'm a good cop. You can well, be bad cop. It's amazing, though. Like, this is people like that. They're, they hated it for like they they won't like hearing it. Um, but my old man used to say to me when I used to um, crack up about something that had been written poorly about one of the games I've played by someone. He said, "Hey, even the harshest criticism has a semblance of truth." So I think even the person on the other end of it, if they really analyse what you're saying, you know, it's not personal. There is some truth behind the criticism, and they're probably harder on themselves than what you'll ever be on them. So. It's amazing. It's usually received okay from from the athlete that cops it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that good. Quote, I like yeah. this. He's doing well. Running is pretty black and white as yeah. well. Like it, you, you get it right or you it don't is. most yeah. of the time in the races. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Kane. Well, thanks again for your time, and um, yeah, recover well, and then all the best for the build up for New York. Yeah, good on you, fellas. Thanks heaps for the, for your time, as I said before. No worries. Thanks, thanks Kane. Cheers, Kane. Australia's premier micronutrition brand, Pillar Performance, is the leading choice when it comes to high-strength formulations to power Australian running performance. Pillar's range is purposely formulated to support optimal recovery, elevate energy production, relieve joint inflammation, and boost immunity, providing potent, targeted micronutrition support to middle and long-distance runners. The Pillar range is now completely informed sports certified, meaning all Pillar products are independently batch tested and athlete safe. This commitment to quality and clean sport now sees Pillar used by more than 40 professional sporting teams and countless individual athletes across the country. The Pillar team is celebrating the recent launch of their Ultra Immune C Powder, an immunity boosting formula featuring a high strength dose of vitamin C, zinc and vitamin D. The perfect partner for a heavy training block or race preparation, Ultra Immune C has been developed in consultation with leading professional sporting organizations to address the specific immunity challenges associated with run down athletes. 
The powerful combination of immunity-boosting micros is delivered in a light powder and features a delicious tropical twist, keeping your immune system firing in even the toughest conditions. To celebrate this release, the Pillar team has an exclusive offer for Inside Running podcast listeners. Head to their website and use the code SKIPSICK to receive a $10 off Ultra Immune C. That's S-K-I-P-S-I-C-K. To redeem this offer, or for more information on Pillar Performance and their range of sports micronutrition, head to pillarperformance.shop. All right, Croaks, listen to question. All right. Uh, any requests from these from this list, boys? Or you want me to just choose one? What about the one we don't do, Croaks? We'll do on uh, our bonus show. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me find it. All right, I'm going to go one one down the bottom here. I was about to say that would um, be good for marathoners this week. Yeah, so how do you know when to push through feeling fatigued in a long run or session, um, i.e. for mental toughness for a marathon when things are starting to hurt but you need to keep going versus stopping the long run or session because pushing isn't adding to the fitness and could potentially lead to injury or further fatigue for future runs? And that question comes in for Chris. Quite, I think it's a good question. Yeah, it doesn't ask a bad question, Chris. Because there is a time and a place where you are better off pulling the pin than pushing through, uh, whether it be a session or a long run. Um, do you guys want to go first? Well, the first one's injury. Like if you're pushing through something that's going to keep you not running for a week or two weeks or you know six weeks, that's definitely time to stop and don't have to worry about being mentally weak if you've got to push from there. Yeah. So I, I took that to mean hurt as in terms of it's like getting difficult, not injured hurt. Oh, I just saw that last line when I said could potentially lead to injury or further fatigue. Yeah, but I guess if you're pushing, you know, past, you know, if you're hurting so much from a fatigue point of view and your form starts to fall away, mm. then it could lead to injury anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. If your form is that bad, though, where you're, where you're almost limping or you're all over the shop or can't stand up straight and feel like you're going to fall over, like that's when you've got to call it. Yeah. You know, Look, finish line to- marathon vibes, you know, when people get a bit wobbly, that kind of stuff? Yeah, the the two criteria for me. One would be if you're tra- like if you're doing a session and your paces are so far removed from what you should be doing. That's one sign for me. The other is yeah, if your form is completely like breaking down, um, then then it's not worth it. Like even in, even in a hard marathon session, you should still be able to control your form and hold it together. Like as soon as you start breaking down, just you're better off pulling it i reckon mm. they're yeah, my two criteria i think it's different long run and session so for me long runs you actually are going to get quite a good benefit and then adaptions if you blow up and you're fully depleted so coming in that last sort of 20 30 minutes um, you might have to slow down a ton but what's happening inside the physiological adaptions of you being depleted and blown up you're actually going to like that's going to benefit you in a couple of weeks and i think you actually like that's good for you to get through that it's good for you to feel fatigued it's good for you to have a shocker um for me it's it shows that you will have to respect the marathon as well um there's a lot of people that will do workouts and 
and this this is one of the things that I had about Christian is I'm not sure whether we saw enough adversity in his training, and I'm, I know he got sick, so it's not. But I said that before he had a bad one. Um, I like to have some bad workouts. I like to have workouts go wrong. It teaches you a little bit of respect, and it teaches you how to get through it and 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 deal with what's going on. But running work like running short workouts is is different. And if you, like getting through twelve four hundreds is totally different. The mental toughness associated with that is very different to the last ten k of a forty k run when you when you're blown up. Because um, you're not getting the the physical benefits or the mental benefits of finishing a ten by four hundred when you're you're running super slow. Turn into a real train and talk here, Moose. But if things are going smoothly in your marathon block, would you search for that adversity by turning paces up on workouts or adding stuff at the end of long runs? That's like, or you know, especially if you've got a coach communicating with your coach, you're like, hey, I think there's more more to push here. Because you don't want to push too much to then overcook it. It's one or two workouts. And a lot of the ones that I'll give will be testing them on those. And, and, and there'll be like say you've got 10 weeks of training with two workouts a week. So that's 20 workouts. Um, 18 workouts, I want them comfortable. I want them finishing safely. I want them um, – I don't want them fifth gearing. I, I, I want them – you know, like how we sensible. Yeah, the more important uh, is the consistency of that week. Like it's, like, it's like having a lot of seven out of tens in that week. He did have one or two though. Remember that run where he's going to do like thirty k sold and then kick down the last ten or twelve, and like on the day he couldn't kick down as much as he wanted. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he did say that actually. And I think um, he had three k reps or something as well, wasn't it? He said he wasn't covering the ground real well that day. Anyway, back to just bad. general training talk though. Yeah, I, I, I think there's there, – I, I want to give a couple that test people. Yeah, okay. um, Yeah, and and if it if someone's like – like, for instance, Toby, right? So his heart rate for 26K on Sunday morning was 162, and his threshold is 174. And in training, like I wanted to give him about 97% of marathon pace um, – which during a training week rather than a race should feel kind of like marathon effort, I reckon. Um, but it was, it, was, it was easy. It was too easy. So, yes, I am adjusting his paces going forward because uh, I don't think we're getting quite the stress we need from that workout. Um, I think it was probably a little bit too, too easy. But, I, I, I want him in third gear, not second. Yeah, and did you go into that, though, going, this is one where I'm going to test you, and then the numbers come out going, oh, I didn't test you? But, or did you go into that going, this is one that's, you know, we're going to tick off and get it through, and there's something harder coming in a few weeks' time? Oh, it's good to see this. This is this workout, 26K at marathon, F, oh, no, not sorry, 26K at 97%, this will be something that will increase to 30 and then maybe 34. And the first one is often like a good indicator of how well he'll tolerate this stuff because some people eat this shit up it's like it's easy for them this is the workout they look at and lick their chops and go yeah i love this stuff and others this will break them because that's 90 minutes at tempo where they have to focus and concentrate um so i know this will be one of his strengths he can probably 
do it a little quicker. Whereas I've got athletes that will need this broken up into like, they won't be able to handle that. They'll have to break that up into, into intervals because it's, it's a little much. Um, yeah, so by so, 5K with a float in there or something, switch off the mind. Yeah, yeah. And so now I think, um, now I think I'll just, I'll just dial up the pace slightly because you're dealing with an athlete who gets better by the week and, and you don't really know what the limit or the threshold is for him. So, yeah, 10 weeks out, we go, oh, we want you to run X time. Uh, but in four weeks, it could be like his, his fitness level might suggest he can run X plus Y time um, because that's, that's what you're dealing with when you've got raw talent. Yeah, and that's why it's important not to plan too far ahead. Like mm. often if people in marathon blocks only go two weeks ahead because like, I don't know how fit you're going to be in three weeks' time, but show me these next two weeks first. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, you can you can plan the the structure out, but you can adjust the paces and efforts like overnight. That's it. Good chat there. Hope we answered your question, Chris. Got a bit off track, but there was some good train talk chat in there. Moose on the loose has already been tonight. All I've got left, boys, is what's coming up. Melbourne Marathon is this Sunday. We've got our live show, 2 p.m. for a 2.15 recording start. It's going to go about 2.15 to 3.15, the recording. Uh, get there probably close to doors, though, I reckon, if you want a good seat. It's going to be pretty squashed in there. We are, It is a sellout. Sinead Diver, she'll be filling in for Bradley Croker. Maybe fresh off a win in the half marathon in the morning. It's going to be a good race, the women's half marathon. I think Tim Crosby picks her as the winner in the audio that you'll hear soon. Uh, if you want to come down for a beer, though, haven't got a ticket to the live show because those tickets did sell out pretty quick. Feel free to come down um, after the live show. I think the doors are then at 3.30. Concrete Boots Bar, 381 Burnley Street in Richmond. So that should be good if you want to come down and have a few beers. Spend the afternoon. Like-minded runners, that would be good fun. Um, also this Sunday, London Marathon. Boys, I asked you a few weeks ago if Brett Robertson would break the Australian record, and you both said no. What's your fresh take on that, six days out? Still got the same answers, or you changed them? I'll still go with no. Moose? Yeah, I'm still no. It's, mate, Australian records. boys. He's been talking about Australian record for the last five years, breaking it. It's yeah, coming. Look how long it's been around for, and before that, how long it was around for, and before that. You know, these things These things take time. Um He'll be motivated. He would have watched Kip choking going, I'm at least seven minutes slow on this guy. I'll get this record. So so my take on Brett's training, not that I've like deeply analysed it, but I felt like when he was here in Australia, he was doing some really good things. Like he was getting out to Fernie, doing some like two and a half hour long runs over the hills. Um, I think he may have started doing a couple of longer sessions. But then I feel like since he went over to Europe, it doesn't look like he's really been in marathon training. Like there hasn't been a lot of marathon specific sessions from what I can tell. I think he did like a two by a six K um, like he did, a, you know, a 10 K tempo, you know, which for him was like just under 30 minutes for 10 K, but he does that, you know, year round 30 minutes around Albert park or the racetrack here in, in Melbourne. So I just feel like since he went away, like he's, I don't think his volume has been super high in the last six weeks. Um, that's my take anyway. I hope, I hope it proves me wrong and breaks it, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Sure, people will be tracking that, though. Something to look out for. Jack Rader was initially on that um, 
start list, but he is back in Australia and is doing Melbourne Half Marathon. You'll hear about him when we preview the fields with Tim after this episode. We're done, boys. Thank you for joining me. And uh, what have you got coming up, Croaks, between now and next week? Uh, not too much. School holidays. Uh, NRL grand final Sunday night. Oh, yeah. How are the Raiders going? No, they're gone. Are they? They, went, they went two weeks ago. Um, yeah, so it's Parramatta versus uh, Penrith. Brett Robinson so, did 212k the other week, Croaks. Two weeks ago. Yeah, but then all the others. Yeah, so about 150s. One, so 136, 148, 147, 212, and then last week was uh, 150. So whereas back when he was here, before he went, he had like a couple of 190s. Yeah, it um, looks like it's about four or five, know, close to 200. Yeah, th- 35K in Fernie. Um, and then the following weekend was, yeah, 35K there again at Fernie. Um, so I felt like he was on the, you know, basically, yeah, he's in marathon training now. And then I guess, you know, he had the, the hour track race, which didn't go to plan, and then he had the half marathon. So anyway, I guess we'll find out on Sunday. See what happens. Moose, what are you doing between now and next week? Well, I've got a uh, booked accommodation for Melbourne. So coming up to to, to run uh, close to the start line, which will be good. I'm also looking for staff at the running company in Geelong. So if you feel like you would uh, thrive working in the best running store in the country, um, great team, good discount on product, you get to talk running all day, get to talk to runners all day long. Um, best product out there, always in our store. You can uh, throw a little email, hit up our DMs. Who would you report to, you or Bree? Oh, well, depends. Depends where you, what the issue is. 50-50 or be more one-sided? Yeah, look, Bree does the roster, so you're going to be talking to her a bit. Uh I'll be I'll be all other all other categories. Actually, Bree does more social media. I don't have the login for that, so don't blame me if you don't get a message back. Blame Bree. Very good. Thought I might have got a mention for your uh, beloved footy team this week as well. Most oh, Geelong shit, Cats mate. won the granny. We Wasn't that good, you? mate? Smacked is them, that didn't not, they? Is that not the best football team probably ever of all time? The way those they they played. Mate, and the how last good... ten years, how dominant have they been? Feels like they're always in finals. Always playing the, grannies. How good? Um, how good's Joel Salwood? Joel Salwood, like, Bendigo boy. Yeah, is year, he like? Year, yeah, year below me at school. I used to do athletics with him. Yeah, I, I, I reckon I've got it. his phone number in my phone. Yeah, my so, first ever race. I um, ever tell you this story? First no. ever race, first ever track race. I was about sixteen. The uh, my coach said, "Hey, look, you're just new to running. Just rock up. When they ask you what heat you want to be with the 1500, tell them that you want to break uh, about five minutes for 1500, and they'll put you in the B heat, and you can try and get a win, and then that'll be good for your confidence." So I'm doing up my spikes. Joel sitting next to me doing up his spikes. Old fella comes out. He's like, "Brady Trailfall, who are you?" I'm like, "Yep, over here." He's like, "What time do you reckon you'll run for 1500?" I said, oh, "I'll run about five minutes." And then Joel goes like, nah, bullshit, he'll run quicker than that, Bill. Put him in the first heat. So then um, Bill put me in the first heat. I ran 4.40 and beat Joel as well. Got him that day. So he should have let me be in the second heat. And I would have, uh, he would have finished one spot higher. But he was a pretty good athlete. Still got records in Bendigo. Hurdles, high jump, stuff like that. Really? Yeah. He's got the high jump. 
Yeah, he was very good at, uh, yeah, the jumping stuff, I think. Maybe a triple jump or something like that. He runs for Andy Buchanan's club. Bendigo Uni, your, your, your oh, pod crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You two on the same I'll record have, board, I think. I think he's got the triple jump to, record and you've got the marathon record. I'll have to get to that university one day. Have to get down there, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, there's been a lot of social media about him, isn't there? Oh, it's just epic watching that. Like, honestly, there's... He just seems like a champion guy. Yeah, pretty competitive. Always being competitive. He was smoking kids in Bendigo like as an 11-year-old. Just like getting 40 possessions and kicking five goals. Anyway, it's been a lot of footy chat in this episode. Good to hear you're up and about though. Melbourne Marathon audio coming up. Izzy Bat Doyle, Tim Crosby and uh, Ben Toomey from Morton. So if you're doing that event on the weekend, good luck. This will get you hyped. See some people out in the roads on Sunday, Moose. Me and you be out there doing some pacemaking. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you probably in the start gates, I reckon, or close enough to. Um, and maybe you'll be ahead of me on the road by 15, 20 seconds at the 5K mark. How far are you going to go? I might see you on the out and back at on the um, Beaconsfield Parade. Oh, no, nah, I won't be down there. Yeah. I'll be on a bike, though. I might see you down on the bike. Flick me some gels or something if you see me out there. It's illegal, mate. <laughs> we'll be right. <laughs> All right, we're done. See you guys. See ya. We might start going. Zaka, Zaka Newman's going to be doing production for us in the background here tonight. You won't probably see his face, but he's the one keeping this show together. So a massive thank you to him for doing the production and a massive welcome to our Nike Melbourne Marathon live stream show. We did this last year and it was really successful and something we quite enjoyed. So we've partnered with the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival again this year. You hopefully about hours worth content uh, talking about the big race that's going to be happening next Sunday morning. My name is Brady Trellful. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Inside Running Podcast. The Inside Running Podcast comes out every Wednesday. We talk about the week in running news and interview um, mostly Australian distance runners who have mostly experienced success at the Melbourne Nike Marathon uh, over the years. Joined tonight by, by my co-host, Julian Spence. He's joined us down in Anglesey. He's a 2.14 marathoner, represented Australia at the 2019 World Championships. Goes by Moose. How are you this evening, Julian? Good, mate. It's been a good weekend of sport, MCG. Uh, good day at the G yesterday for the Mighty Cats. Um, and today watching Berlin. The TV's copped the hiding. Don't, don't normally watch much, but two of my favourite things were on. Marathons well, and Geelong Cats. And watching the footy yesterday, thinking that people, and I think you and I included, we're going to be on course tomorrow, going to be on the MCG, getting to experience it with the running side of things. So that was, uh, mm. yeah, I was that was going through my head yesterday as well. And I'm sure a lot of participants were thinking the same thing. My other co-host, he's based up in Canberra. He's a 217 marathoner, ran the Melbourne Marathon back in, I think, 2016. Bradley Croker, welcome to you. How are you this evening? Good, thanks, Brady. Looking forward to uh, previewing next weekend's event. 
Yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to be joined tonight by Izzy Bat Doyle. She's one of the favourites, making her marathon debut. She's represented Australia at the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, so she'll be joining us soon. We're going to be joined by Tim Crosby, who is the event director. He's going to be talking about the elite fields. And then we're going to be joined by Ben Toomey from Morton, Australia, to talk to us about Morton's role on course for uh, for the gels and stuff out there. So it should be a interesting night, talking all things Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival. I will pick your brains first, boys. How excited are you, Moose? You're not going to be, you know, strapping up the racing shoes to race this year. I think you've got a pacing role. But as a coach and uh, as someone who's been at the Nike Melbourne Marathon a lot of times, excited are you a week out? Yeah, big time. I love the event. I love driving over the Westgate in the morning if I'm not staying up and just sort of looking out over Melbourne thinking there's going to be some carnage on the streets today but also some glory. Uh, it's normally sort of been alternating good year, bad year with weather over the past sort of 10, 12 years. I think we're – well, we'll skip the last couple of years. I don't count. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to jump in the marathon, pace a couple of fellas, uh, just to basically as soon as I find a line bike on the side of the road, just going to get off there and support around the course. So I am looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah I like that strategy. It sounds good. And Brad Croker, how excited are you? You won't be in Melbourne next week, but I know you've got a number of athletes you coach running and you've been here at this event before. Yeah, actually, I had a meeting yesterday um, with yeah three of my athletes that are down there for the for the marathon. So they're all excited and we just spoke through what, you know, to expect this week and come up with a, with a solid plan for next Sunday. So yeah, I'll, be, I'll be on trying to find some yeah, either live stream or updated splits next Sunday morning. Are there any general things that you guys are telling all your athletes that kind of applies for everyone, that people at home who possibly don't have a coach that should be thinking about this far out from the race? I'll go to you first, Moose. I like to start waking up at the time you're going to rake, wake up for the race. So maybe like may, it doesn't have to be that extreme if you're going to get up super early to eat breakfast, but just maybe get out the door for your run at the same start time as the, the marathon. So you start to get a bit of body clock happening. Uh, and then you can also start dialing in your food and your, your toilet because uh, we know that's sort of a big deal on race morning is getting into a routine with the, the bathroom. Um, every run is nightmare really. Uh, being out there and having to stop at Portaloos or whatever. Um, and the second thing is trusting in what they've done. So just don't be insecure about it. And insecurity, we start to see people trying to test their fitness in the last week, doing things that like running faster when they shouldn't, um, doing workouts or, or pushing the pace in workouts when they really don't need to. So we like confidence. Um, confidence will lead to patience. Uh, that's that's the, the marathon tape a week mantra. And Bradley, in the conversations you're having with some of your athletes, any any common threads that are coming across all athletes? Yeah, very similar. Don't try and prove your fitness in the last week. Um, also, often in this last week, you're very oversensitive to how you're feeling on every run and you start analysing, oh, you know, am I a bit tight here? I don't feel that good running. But, you know, th that's just pre-race nerves. Once the gun goes, you'll feel great. Um, and then come race day, make sure that you have a solid plan going into it and stick to that plan. Like it's very easy to get excited early on when there's so many people around and you, you know, you're five or 10 seconds a K faster than what you had planned. Make sure you don't do that. Okay. Cause it will come back to bite you um, from the 30 K mark. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And another one for me is always, you know, worry about what you can control this week as well. Don't check the weather every five minutes between now and next Sunday. Can't control that. Definitely have a look at what kind of kit and stuff you're going to wear. But a bit close to the day. And, um, yeah, all those little things that you can organise early in the week so you don't have to run around Saturdays, Sunday morning, trying to get them sorted before the gun goes are super important to just um, control that stress. The brain takes up a lot of energy and, and carbohydrates and things like that. And if you can reduce all that on race morning so you're pretty relaxed, you can save that energy for the race. So uh, pretty special things there. Um, boys, you, you did quickly touch on it, Moose trying to people prove their fitness and croaks you actually said over analyzing fitness this week as well what are you guys doing for your training for your athletes this week will you do a bit of stuff at marathon pace just to test out how it feels or you do a bit of stuff faster slower what's kind of a standard workout you could maybe throw out there that anyone could maybe try tuesday wednesday if they're lining up for the marathon yeah i've sort of got to go to for a lot of my athletes, uh, mix it up if they get a bit bored of it, if they've done multiple marathon blocks, but essentially it's all the same. It's around about 20 minutes total of marathon pace work on the Wednesday before a Sunday race. So that might be broken up into four by five minute blocks with 90 seconds to two minutes of jogging between. This isn't to get any more fitness. Um, There's no sort of uh, like physiological sort of training going on it's more just like you finding the rhythm that you're supposed to be in for the day understand what that pace feels like because on the day you are going to have adrenaline going through and the pace will feel a lot easier than what it does in training Um, so it's important to find that rhythm and be able to control yourself show discipline so uh, there's no benefit to blasting that last workout like you get more um, you're going to get a better outcome if you stick to your paces and just sort of relax. Mm. And Bradley? Um, I often get my athletes to do sort of two half sessions during the week. So the first one might be some two-minute reps, um, slightly faster than marathon pace, just to sort of wake the legs up a little bit. And then a couple of days later, basically practice your race warm-up and just do 3K at marathon pace um, and then a short cool down. And then the rest is just easy jogging. Um, most of my athletes well, all my athletes won't run more than an hour in one go this week. Um, and then Saturday morning, often just 20, 25 minutes and a few strides and you, you're good to go. Yeah, and don't overanalyze that marathon pace work that you might do this week. There's, I, I, I'm rarely doing that workout in race week, finishing that going, oh, that felt awesome. I could definitely hold that for 42K in five or six days' time. You're not going to feel like that, but when you're on the start line on Sunday, that's when you want to be feeling a whole different headspace. And, um, yeah, there's no doubt it's going to be easier with crowds and the adrenaline for race day there as well. The last question I will ask you boys before we go to Izzy Bat Doyle, who will be making her debut in the Nike Melbourne Marathon this Sunday, um, how do you deal with the nerves of race week? What happens if you're not sure how it's going to go? What do you do mentally to be uh, thinking? It's, it's a, a marathon's a challenging thing. What do you do to settle the nerves this week, Julian? I love the nerves. The nerves are what makes it special. If you don't have nerves, then it ain't special. Like being nervous is part of it. Like this is a big thing. People have been training for six months plus. People have been looking at eyeing this off for the last year or longer. So this is a really special day and a special morning and the nerves are all part of it. Just don't let the nerves, like just don't waste that nervous energy into doing silly things. Um, so you can sort of channel that and, uh, I mean, it's, it's diff- everyone's difficult, different. Some people, they have um, 
they respond better to a lot of energy at the start line and others that like they might do better if they bottle that. So yeah, I, I, I like nerves. I don't think you want to do anything to, to get rid of nerves. Um, it's not going to help. I'm not sure how you would ever do that. Just, just sort of embrace them and, and just uh, kind of think of them as it all makes part of this big special package on marathon morning. And Bradley, one last thing there, anything on nerves? Um, yeah, a couple of things. Like if you've, if you've had a good prep, just go back through your program and have a look at all those sessions you've done. I also think for the marathon, having that solid plan in place gives you confidence to not be nervous. And the other thing is the good thing about the marathon is it's such a long event that the first 30K should be enjoyable. So if you're in the race and you give 5K in, 10K in, and you're like, this doesn't feel very comfortable slow down so that's the thing i love about the marathon is you have time to work into it and the nerves don't seem to be quite as bad because you know the first 30k is going to be enjoyable yeah listen to your body for those signs as well and i like to write down the plan bradley because sometimes if you got one or two plans you're not sure which one you're going to go with actually writing it down putting it on paper committing to it is a good thing to to do when all of a sudden people start you know maybe impacting your plan early in the race because you think that pace is more achievable than it actually is we might now go to our first guest for this evening, uh, Izzy Bat-Doyle. Listeners and viewers will be familiar from Izzy's name. She's just come off the Commonwealth Games. She had two eighth-place finishes there in the 5K and the 10K. She also represented Australia at the Olympics last year and is making her marathon debut. Melbourne has been a happy hunting ground for her. She won the half marathon there last year. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Nike Melbourne Marathon live stream. Izzy Bat-Doyle, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. It's good to be on. Izzy, first question, uh, why Melbourne Marathon? Why did you pick this one as your debut? Um, look, that's a good question. Um, I had such a good experience last year in the half that when it became an opportunity, um, it just seemed to fit in with the rest of the year. So I think a lot of people have been asking me uh, when I do a marathon, I've always loved running uh, longer and, yeah, as, as longer races go, I found them more enjoyable. I love training. I love long runs. Um, so it kind of was always something I was thinking of doing. Um, and I got the opportunity to go to Nagoya earlier this year with um, some of the ladies and um, run 30 kilometres and kind of practice, like, what that might feel like. Um, I really enjoyed that experience, but then I kind of jumped back to the track and um, obviously had quite a long track season with Com Games. Um London was kind of on the cards as an option to do, but I felt like four months away from home was enough for me. Um, I didn't want to stay an extra two months um, overseas. I miss everyone at home so much. Um, yeah, it was a long time to be away. So um, instead of going back overseas for a marathon, um, Melbourne seemed like a really good opportunity, um, a place that I enjoyed running last year. Um, got lots of athletes going over from Adelaide. Um, it's a really fun weekend. And of course, it's always like high stakes, but... I think traveling to Melbourne for me, it's, you know, it's an hour flight. It's pretty chill um, versus kind of going to like a major marathon overseas where um, the pace that I'm looking to run, I'd, I'd be, you know, quite well back in the elite field and maybe end up running like the last 12 or 15 Ks on my own. So, um, yeah, Melbourne having guys to run with, yeah, there's plenty of um, pros to the experience there. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, how um, late was the decision made to run Melbourne? Because you have had that busy track season. You've been overseas for what feels like forever. Um, yeah, when did you actually commit to, to doing it? Um, uh, four and a half weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's been a, a, it has been a short build. And, um, 
th that's interesting, I guess, um, compared to what some other people might do going into a marathon. Um, but I do have some confidence in the fact that I've probably averaged about 140 or 150 Ks a week um, on average for the last two years. So I feel like I've got a, a good base and I almost have like not had the opportunity to, to cook myself. So I'm kind of going into a, a little bit um, feeling a little bit underdone, but I guess the saying I've been saying is like, you know, you prefer to have a cake underdone than burnt. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but what happened was I actually got COVID at Com Games. So um, it was kind of like, yeah, maybe a marathon will happen in October. And then I got COVID at Com Games, didn't know how that was going to kind of hit me um, and training wise coming off that. So I bounced back okay. So it really was only like a week off running um, and I had six weeks to get ready for um, yeah, working towards Melbourne. And the expectations going in, this will be the last question for me, Izzy, before the boys fire some <laughs> at you. Obviously, you know, you've got the fast 5 and 10K, you're quick over the half marathon with that 70-16 uh, there last year. You ran 71 last week, I think, in Adelaide, 71-26. So obviously you're in shape. Uh, two good Kenyans coming over who have both run 225 recently, which we'll hear a bit more about from Tim Crosby next. But what are the expectations going in? Is it race for the win or are you going at a certain pace and chase a time or what, what's going to happen Sunday? Yeah, just hearing you guys talk about it, I was like, oh, i got to work out my race plan. Um, yeah, but I guess, look, the marathon's such an, un you know, you, you can't plan everything out. And, of course, I've got goals. I'd really love to run sub 230. Um, that would be a great a great goal um, to break. Um, obviously, the net, net new standards have become 228 flat, so um, that's something kind of to shoot for in the back of your mind as well. Um, but I think I really have to get out there and just kind of um, see how I'm feeling on the morning. I hope that my marathon pace is around 330s. Um, that seems to feel fairly comfortable for me. Um, my half marathon pace is 320s at my PB, so... Um, I'm hoping to run around that pace. But um, what I like about the marathon is it's really you versus you. I don't really see it as a competition against um, other people in the race. Sure, it'd be great to get some prize money to get, you know, get on the podium. But really, I'm just thinking about myself and um, trying to just have a good, solid first experience. And I hope that I'll have plenty more marathons in the future. And I can only just build from this first one, hopefully. Yeah, really dip in the towing kind of event. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, figure it out. Moose, over to you. Hey, Izzy, the, um, the, the marathon's kind of loaded for ladies at the moment. We just saw Lisa. She ran 224.02 maybe. Um, so there's a big qualifier on the board that she's really put the benchmark out for, for the rest of you guys. Um, and we know it's going to take like a lot more than just the qualifier to, to get to, to Paris or, or the world champs. Um, the 10K, though, doesn't have a lot in it. You seem to be kind of the star you and Rose. It, it, it seems like... It, it's a bit empty, yet the marathon's so crowded. Um, what's with the move up there? Like, why, why, why are you deciding to do that? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's so true. I really think that even though the qualifying standard is 228 flat, um, you're going to have to run 225 or sub-225 to get on an Australian team just with the depth that we've got, and that's phenomenal, and it's amazing to be a part of um, running when it's so deep like this it is. And, yeah, the 10K is a little bit um, open at the moment. I think the 5K we saw this year was pretty stacked. I was fourth best in Australia. Um, obviously, ends up having a pretty good run at Com Games. Um, but, yeah, during the season, you know, I, I missed World Championships for the 5K. Um, but the 10K seems open. But look at the standards for the 10K, and it's 30-40. And only Benita Willis has run faster than that at 30-37. So, um, realistically, I don't want to 
set limits on myself, but I don't think that running in the 30s is something that I'm going to be doing anytime soon. Um, it'd be great, but it just seems like a fair stretch. Um, and you look at those fields and, like, I love going to the Olympics. It was an incredible experience. And Com Games was even better with the crowds and just um, feeling a bit more confident out there and like I belonged. But um, as great as they are, that's not the only races there are in the world. And we see with major marathons, there's a huge opportunity to run um, a number of different races across the year. And um, that comes with a lot, lot of different benefits, um, more financial gains to be had there and actually make a living from the sport. Um, track is pretty hard. Um, and look, I love track running, but it feels a bit odd when you get lapped. And um, I got lapped at Com Games in the 10K. I had a pretty solid run around 32 flat. Wasn't the best race of my life. Um, but, you know, Eilish McColgan had the best race of her life and she broke the Com Games record by about 45 seconds. And um, coming into the home stretch when I had one lap to go and she's finishing, you're just not in the race. So it, it does feel almost like you're filling numbers. And to go to the World Champs for a 10K at this stage, I'd just be filling numbers and I'd be scraping in. But in a marathon, it's, yeah, like I said, it's you versus you. It's all about, um, you know, bettering yourself and um, it's just a whole new challenge. So I think while making Australian teams is a great goal and it's definitely still a goal of mine, I just have been, had my eyes open that that's not the only way to, um, to kind of like rate success in the year or, um, yeah, like rate, rate your ability as an athlete. And unfortunately, we see a lot of athletes perform really well domestically, make teams and actually not perform to their abilities. So, um, yeah, I just feel like there's, there's more to, to be gained from the sport than just making teams. Good answer. Croaks, got a question for Izzy? Um, yeah, Izzy, uh, anything you'd change for this prep? As you said, it's a bit sort of unconventional coming off your track season and, like I did a bit of Strava stalking today and noticed that even this week you're running, I think, over 150 kilometres, so not your traditional marathon taper. Um, yeah, anything you change going in? Look, to be honest, I'd love another month, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd really love a bit more like confidence in the legs just knowing that I've done some bigger sessions. Um, I, yeah, I had COVID, so I ran like 50Ks in a week, um, had to ease back into it. Then I was like 130, and then I kind of jumped right up to 180, um, then I think I did 160, 150, 150 again. Um, so it's not been um, a bad block, but it's been a short block. And um, I got a lot of confidence from two of the sessions I did. I did um, 20Ks of, so 1K like on, 1K off. Um, and then the following week I did 7 by 2K with 500 metre float. Um, I really like those sessions and they, I feel like they really bring me up. Um, but I only got two of those big sessions done. And then I did the half marathon at the Susie Bay last week where um, I didn't have a lot of competition in that race. I came third overall and first female, but I ran 71 minutes, 70, 26. Um, and I felt pretty controlled. So that was a really good training effort and had a bit of running to do after that as well. Um, but I, I just, I'd love a couple more of those longer sessions. Um, too just makes me feel like I'm a little underdone but um, as I said I haven't really had the chance to be like super depleted or like super tired or feel like I've had any niggles my body's been responding to the training really well but maybe if I gave it another month of these really big sessions um, that's when I could see any injury pop up or you know a niggle occur so um, I'll just have to make do with what I've done. <laughs> yeah. 
Is the last one for me. Um, pacemakers for Sunday, bring your own. Got some Adelaide training partners that you're possibly going to have a lot of company with. Yeah, I'm really lucky that um, one of my training partners, well, my main training partner, Bryn Nichols, um, he is awesome. Uh, he ran 227 last year at Melbourne and he's in the best shape of his life, even though he's in his 40s. Um, so, yeah, he's run like 14.48 this year and um, I think like 31 minutes for 10K. So, yeah, he can run and he's been helping with my sessions. It's usually just the two of us. Um, he is doing Amsterdam Marathon though, so two weeks later. So he's going to run with me for about 35 kilometres and then um, I will be um, on my own, I think. Well, not on my own. There'll be people out there, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't have anyone kind of planned um, after that stage. But I know that there are a few other people hoping to kind of run around that time, hopefully. So, yeah, hopefully find some people out there. It's a good part of course to be sure. maybe alone as well, like through the through the art centre and then climbing the sh- up to the shrine and stuff there. It's good to be able to run your own pace through there, I think. Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that that's probably what I need a pacemaker. Someone to <laughs> and and encourage me, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's been obviously Riley and Jacob ran um, well, was Riley's first marathon last year at Melbourne and he was going really well, but he struggled in that last kind of um, from 36K. He started projectile vomiting and struggling a little bit so um yeah i i definitely i'm i'm probably not fully prepared because you can never be fully prepared but i'm prepared that's going to be a hard last 10k um and i'm just yeah hoping that i can be strong enough physically and mentally to really push through yeah any more questions for easy boys before we go to our next guest not for me just good luck easy be good to see another australian female dominate the marathon so um yeah all the best Thank next you. sunday yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great event regardless. Like, I'm just really excited for the weekend and it's going to be great to catch up with people and just see people running across the distances. Melbourne's a really great event. Last year was so much fun and I know a lot of people have been looking forward to it all year. So I'm, I'm pretty excited that I get the opportunity to run. We were talking about this as well today, Izzy. You know, Jess has won it, Sinead's won it, um, Millie won it last year. Lisa's won it. Like, there's some good Australian female distance runners that have won it. Like, you take inspiration from that and want your name on that same list. Definitely, yeah. I mean, of course, for sure. It might not be this year, and I understand, um, yeah, that there are some good um, Kenyans coming over, which is really exciting that we have that kind of ability um, to bring in talented athletes to Australian races. Just seeing what um, over the weekend, you know, the races were on. It's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, of course you always want to get on the, on the winner's list. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to just keep myself a little bit more like, um, like low key for this, this first one and just not put too much pressure on myself um, to kind of like knock it out of the park. Cause I know okay. that, you know, there's so much to learn like moving forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to have like a fair, like, you know, a good experience and enjoy it and walk away from it going, yeah, I want to do another one in, you know, four months or whatever it is. Yeah. Good attitude. Awesome. Well, a massive thanks for your time tonight. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners and viewers tonight that are looking forward to seeing what you what you do on Sunday morning. I'm sure there's a lot of go easy is going to get shouted from the sides <laughs> of the road. And um, yeah, our great Australian hope up there at the front pack, hopefully. So massive thanks. thanks good guys. Luck with no, the, looking forward to it. Good luck with the we'll travel in the last couple then. of days of preparation. Yep. You'll see Moose Thank and I will be out there. See you, Izzy. Thanks, Izzy. Thanks for that. Our next guest, Bradley Croker, is uh, you're going to be doing this. It's Tim Crosby. He is the, I think, well, I'll ask him his exact role in a second, but he's been involved with the Melbourne Marathon for as long as I can remember. I'd love to say elite athlete director. Tim, have I got that right? 
CEO, um, boss man? <laughs> no, definitely not CEO, definitely not boss man. That's uh, Marcus Gale who does a wonderful job from IMG. I, I, oh, the term they gave me a few years ago, because bear in mind, you know, IMG run it and basically they're multinational and everyone's a director. So I became the competition director. So that's the, the title I like because uh, it's mm-hmm. um, basically encompasses, you know, the way I explain my role, anything to do with the people. That's what I do. So the elites, the paces, the preferred starts, um, the training series, all those wonderful things that uh, have a, a human touch. Uh, that, mm. That's where I come into it. And you've uh, done a really good job, Tim, of pulling together a really good field. The um, Brady was telling me that we have everybody who represented Australia at the Commonwealth Games in the marathon is competing next weekend. So that's a pretty good uh, get by you. Yeah, well, I think people, as Izzy was saying, you know, people look forward to Melbourne. Uh, it is uh, we've set it up over you know since IMG took over in 0607 to be an iconic Australian race, and we have you know part of our mantra has always been to support Australian and New Zealand athletes, and I think they then pay us back with the loyalty of coming back and enjoying um, uh, the race and what we do for them because we do try to t- t- uh, treat them a little bit more special, given that we're not a, a labelled race and that we don't have to have X number of internationals. Uh, it's been a real big emphasis of ours to really look after the Australian athletes. And uh, I think we've now got a very proud history of that. Yeah. And now that sort of COVID is behind us, we do have a few internationals coming over this yeah. year uh, for the marathon. Should we start by previewing the, the marathon? Yeah, let's. Uh, because it is exciting to go international again, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, cheering for Izzy next week for sure. I'd, I'd love, you know, because yet again, what a mature interview that was. And I, you know, I think we all love Izzy mm-hmm. because she's very down to earth and uh, she's just a great asset to our sport. I know a lot of the people I coach, um, a lot of the girls in particular, really look up to, to Izzy and they think she's just a great person. And wouldn't it be great to see her coming across the line first uh, next year, but not next week. But let's see how it goes. In, in the men's race, though, we've got a, a 207 and a 208. So uh, Timothy Kap- Kiplagat Rono, He's run a 2.07. Uh, he's come seventh for the Barcelona Marathon in 2.07.23. His PV is um, 2.07.01 at Malaga. Uh, was it not, not Malaga, but he's run a 2.07.01. So he's low 2.07. So he knows what it takes to run that sort of time. Uh, his buddy coming out is uh, Cornelius Kiplagat, uh, and he's a 2.08 runner. So those two obviously will just run together. And we do have a pacemaker coming with them, Nelson Cabecholimo. Don't know much about Nelson at all. Um, he's a bit of, I've just, just on Google before, just trying to find something out about him. I know nothing about him. So obviously he's from the Dr. Rosa group. Uh, so we've sourced all of our athletes this year from Rosa and Associates, uh, which has just been good going through the one management group and the streamlining of that process has been fantastic. So those three come out as a team and let's see what they can do. We'll be obviously trying to get that sub 210, which we've been desperate for for years. And I think these are the guys that could sort of do it. Um, next best though, who we got? Liam Adams lining up, you know, former winner of the event. Um, just off the Commonwealth Games marathon where he performed superbly once again, ran a ripper at uh, City Bay last last week as well. The guy, you know, there's just no stopping Liam. And yet again, if those Kenyans, if anything uh, goes wrong out there, Liam happens to be ready to pounce because we know he's a strong finisher. And I'd be really excited once again to see what Liam can do out there. And he does love the Mel- Melbourne course. He's, you know, as I said, he's won it before. So he knows what it takes out there and how to navigate around there. Um, can you see, sorry to interrupt him, but can you yeah. see Liam letting him go? I, I reckon he probably have to. Oh, I, I don't know. 
I, I just don't know, Brady, because he's going to have to weigh up. You know, is he going to go at 207, 208 pace? Or even, well, the guys, I don't know what they're going to do. They might be instructed by their manager to go at 209 and go for that race record. Because bear in mind, they get the $20,000 bonus if they break the 210, uh, 20 something, whatever um, the race record is. So if they get that, they get 20000 extra on top of the 20000 prize money. So do they go safe? Do they go for a big time? We'll be encouraging them to go for big time. That's what when I pick them up from the airport, I'll be talking to 207s. Um, and that's what we're really because we, we know that we can do it. You know, if, if they can run 207 in Sydney, for God's sake, we can run 207 in Melbourne. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of the field. And obviously, that's a, a labeled event. It was a stacked field and it was a fantastic field up front uh, last week in Sydney. Uh, so we know we can do it in Melbourne on the right day. And, and long range forecast at the moment is looking pretty good. So um, if it's a day like today, it would be an absolute. Um, yeah, you know, ripper out there. So, so look, that's up to Liam what he does. Uh, do I have that conversation with him? Well, you know, it's, it, Liam's Liam. So I think he he's probably got a bit of a plan already. And uh, let's just see what he does out there. Because the other one to watch out for there, those Reese Edwards. Um, you know, two seventeen last week in Sydney as a training run for Melbourne and winning its own championships. Um, not a bad little tempo run, was it? So, so Reese, um, I'm quite excited to see what he can do. He's a two thirteen man, bear in mind, and you know he's a six, uh, 63 minute half marathoner. So, so Reese Edwards, and he's been just really consistent since he's come to Melbourne, racing regularly, doing all the right things. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Reese is right up there. But also you've got uh, Riley and Jacob as well, the two Cox brothers. And you know, uh, Riley's obviously got the the quicker time on the board with Jacob's two nineteen in Gold Coast. I think uh, he's certainly one to watch out for because I think we're now getting the maturity level from these two in the marathon. As Izzy said, you know, Riley debuted last year, found it a bit tough at 30-odd K, but, gee, that's what's going to happen in the debut marathon because you've never been there before. And I think we're going to see the best of Riley and Jacob. You know, Riley's 62 for the half, so he, he knows what it takes to run fast. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Riley is, well, is it Liam, Riley, um, maybe Reese uh, forming that sub-pack and, and um, sort of just stalking what the Kenyans are doing? I I don't know. That's up to them to work out what they do. And if, if there is any plan between them, uh, let's see how that pans out. So so they're the top picks in the men's. And, you know, we're not like last year where we had probably, uh, uh, I'll use a Glenn Turner term, term uh, a plethora of Australians because of the, uh, the COVID issues and people staying in Australia to race. So we haven't got as deep a field, I don't think. It sort of drops a little bit after that. Uh, to the high 220s, low 220s. Uh, but I think that top few, uh, the Cox brothers, Liam and Reese, are all very good quality runners that are going to you know, put on some good performances. Yeah. And the women's? Women, yes. Um, we've got an Ethiopian and a Kenyan. Okay, so the Ethiopian, Yenabiba, uh, Maru Ajiju, doesn't speak a word of English, so I'm desperately trying to source someone who can speak Amharic or um, Tigray so, uh, for next week or else the interviews are going to be a bit dud. Uh, but uh, she's, uh, she's a 225.02 runner. So we've got two girls that are a recent 225. So Yenna Bieber and also Beatrice Chep too. She's 225.20. Both at the um, Malaga Marathon, which is in Spain. Uh, they came second and third there uh, this uh, in December last year when Melbourne was run. So Fairly recent 225s. I've also raced since then a 231 for Beatrice and a 227 for Yenna So, So they're consistent performers around that mark. And because of those more recent times, I wouldn't be surprised if Izzy isn't too far off or whether they are running just for the win and just eyeballing Izzy to see what her and her little pack do. Uh, and that might be a smart move for them. 
can they break the course record from Sinead? I don't know. I don't know. 2.25.02 is the best time. Uh, let's see what Yenabiba can do. She's only 23, though, so she's still got youth on her side. She has run a few marathons, uh, and she's done a few. She's, you know, Paris this year in April. You know, what, what, you know how are they going to present? They've got the travel uh, to go through as well, you know, all the way out to Australia, which they don't really, or they really have to travel that, that far for a marathon. So... I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Izzy is thereabouts and uh, let's see, because I think as Izzy rightfully said, you know, she has to be looking at those qualification standards uh, for next year's major champs and also moving forward towards the Olympics. And um, I can't see her mucking around with trying to run a 2.30. Uh, I think they're going to, yeah, especially with Bryn and the other guys around, uh, I think they're, they're going to have a bit of a shot around that 2.27. And as she said, if she can manage the 3.30Ks, uh, which is the 2.27, I think Izzy is, is, is going to be right up there. And um, she might surprise us. I think um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a you know, it could be a little bit of a boil over there. And how good would that be coming into the MCG? But let's find out. Good race. Yeah. Um, so yes. move, so Sorry, yeah, just moving down a little bit though, Croaks, and we've got, you know, people like Rosie Weber's coming down from Sydney and she's, you know, respectable. We're, we're sort of sitting there around. Unfortunately, we, we lost Marnie and we lost Mira. Um, they were going to be that next level about the low 230s uh, and both of them just weren't quite up for right now. So then we're going back to Rosie Weber. People like Sophie Fitz on the way back. Everyone would know Sophie. She's on the way back. Saw her out training this morning. She's looking good. You know, she's run a 2.42 in the past. Then probably we're looking at um, also Deb Bruce. You know, I've got a personal interest there. I coach her. Uh, I've just done a tattoo bet with her. If she breaks 2.40, I'll get a tat. So uh, she's all fired up now. Um, so she's been in really good shape and also a couple of really good debutantes as well, which is Alexandra Blake, um, and she's a Queenslander, 77 half, Jess Jason, 78 half, and then Mel Townsend, uh, last from the past, Mel Townsend, good track runner. She's debuting in the marathon as well. Very good. And um, the half fields, both men's and women's, are stacked. Good combination of experience and also people stepping up for the first time who have, uh, I guess, highly credentialed in shorter distances. Yeah, the half is quite exciting, isn't it? It's just, um, yeah, we're at that point now where, you know, this is the, the beauty of Melbourne, I suppose, that we are able to pull in good fields. You know, the women's field, uh, Stenson, Diver, uh, Rose Davies, Eloise, we're, you know, we're still waiting for confirmation on Eloise because she has got New York and we know that that is number one priority for Eloise. So uh, whether she runs Melbourne or not, that, that you know, it's just so spicy, isn't it? If she mm. does. Uh, Sarah Klein in there as well. Danielle Allen, you might not have heard much about Danielle. She's a Queenslander. She's run a 72. Uh, then you're looking at girls who have run 73, 74, 75 as being just bit players. And, you know, years gone by and they would have been favourites. And it's just a remarkable circumstance that we've got now. But but that um, that field is really, really exciting. And, um, you know, Je having Jess in the field is just a, it's a, a major bonus for us because, you know, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, absolute superstar of the sport and um yeah we're really pleased to have her coming across and once again you know as usual with jess she's just been absolutely delightful to deal with uh, getting into this mm -hmm. field and um and doing the media for us so she's just um just fantastic rose davies is the interesting one i suppose um debuting uh let's see 
uh, you know, obviously a fantastic 10K runner. Uh, how will that translate? But as we found with Izzy last year, did translate. So Rose with that bit of toe, and you definitely wouldn't want to be around her late in the race if she's still there because uh, Rose definitely has some good um, 10K, 5K form on the board. So it's, yeah, that's going to be really quite compelling. Uh, then you're looking at, you know, people like Tara Palm in the field as well. So, you know, Tara's actually having a bit of a good comeback now. So um, she's been racing quite well recently, and it's great to have Tara back on the scene. Got a tip for the women's half, Tim? Oh, Jesus. Thanks, Crokes. Um, <laughs> oh, look, I I suppose sentimental reasons, Sinead. Um, I'd love to see Sinead come into the MCG, you know, leading. Uh, but, but Jess seems just to have the formula right at the moment. And uh, that win last week in City Bay, once again, just stamped her as a, a, a very professional athlete. Uh, Sinead ran a half, Jess ran 12. Is that going to have bearing? I don't know. Uh, but oh, actually, I'm going to go out on a limb. I did last year, and I think I picked it right. I think I picked Izzy last year. I'm, I might go for Sinead to, to come back on this one and um, and really have a good, good hot go at it. Very good. All right, let's move to the men's. Another outstanding field. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And a couple of X factors in this one. Obviously, Jack Rain is the standout. Um, we all love Jack, and it's great to have him racing in Melbourne again. We really do enjoy having him. He's just such a great guy and um, so easy. To, yeah, yet again, a bit like Izzy. Just these people are easy to deal with. Um, you know, they're not prima donnas. They're not uh, demanding this, that, and the other, and they, they really make for a good race. So Jack, you know, a 6101, 27-15 uh, guy. Yeah, he knows what it takes to run a good half marathon, so he'll be right up there. Then you're looking at Buchanan, uh, also Sam McEntee, the Vic uh, 10K champ. Liam Booden is coming down from from Queensland, and yeah, another one to show some respect for. I think Liam, he's he's starting to really get some credibility on the board. His his um, consistency in racing, I think, has uh, gone to a new level in 2022, and I'm excited to see what Liam can do in a good field like this, and whether he you know, decides to try and be a factor. Uh, and then it's the like, well, Jack Bruce is also coming in. He, he's in late. Um, so 63 and a 28-15 guy. So you, you can't sort of uh, argue his uh, his merits of being in the favourites as well. So Jack Bruce, Andre Waring. And then, you know, the other one that, you know, we've got to talk about is the X Factor, and that's Seth O'Donnell. So Seth is coming in. He ran it last year and uh, was late for the start, um, didn't go to the elite rooms. It was just an absolute debacle. Had a shocker at... Um, at the Gold Coast half as well, but mm. since then that national cross race was I was there and I watched it and it was just it was strong. It was uh, and then we just saw him play off the field at the Victorian Half Marathon champs at Burnley. Uh, remarkable stuff. So what's what's Mr. X Factor gonna do? What's the flying mullet gonna be capable of? I, I don't know. <clears throat> and then yeah, Matt Matt Clark making his debut. Yeah, which, that's exciting, um, isn't it? Yeah, especially given how close he was to Jack yeah, at City Bay last weekend. Um, that'll be interesting to see how he goes over the half. Yeah, it wasn't originally going to run the 10, but um, maybe Coach Diddick and him have had a bit of a sort of a chat about, you know, where they can potentially find opportunities. And an opportunity does arise, you know, is it every second year with the world half? And maybe Clarkie's sort of seeing that as potentially a, an event that he might want to go to. Will he go to the marathon? I, I don't know. He's, he's still relatively young, so a uh, lot, lot can be done with Clarkie. But, yeah, as we've seen, you know, that move to Adelaide, the Clarkie has just been absolutely brilliant. You know, that guy has just gone on in, in you know, leaps and bounds since the move and uh, established himself, obviously, as a high-rating steeplechaser, but now hitting the roads. And as you said, Croaks, that run last week mm. to push it, push Jack Rayner for so long over 12K, yeah, I think he's going to be mm. good on the roads as well. Um, last question for you, Tim. You said you're, you deal with the people. So for all the recreational runners that are out there, 
What um, what pace groups do you have on offer for, I guess, the marathon and the half? Yeah, the, aren't the paces lovely? And uh, they get treated really well at Melbourne too. We've, we've got, I think I've got 56 paces lined up um, across the two different events. The half marathon goes from 1.30 through to about 2 hours 20. Uh, so virtually every 10 minutes there for the paces. And the marathoners, we're actually going to have a – we've got three guys running the 250 group this year, uh, which is quite exciting to have so many. Uh, and I'm going to probably get David Steyer to go out at four-minute K pace, which is the, uh, the 248. I haven't told Dave that. If he's tuning in, Dave, that's your instructions. <laughs> Uh, but it's just such a good one because a lot of a lot of those who are aspirational to break 250, the four-minute K pace is just the obvious pace for them to go at. So um, if we have at least one of them just poking forward and just sitting religiously on four-minute Ks, because as we know, that is the best way to get under. You don't go too far under the fours. You just sit pretty on that four-minute K pace, uh, and that's, that's how you're going to get there. So 250s, we've got... Yeah, we've got my standard crew in the three-hour group. Damien Angus, uh, Stephen Payne, they're two that have done it so often. Angus, that's it's now going to be his 10th time pacing at Melbourne Marathon. So he's now an official Spartan as a pacer. Uh, and he's taken the, I think, the majority of those 10, I think it's all 10 have been the three-hour group. And the guy is absolute champion. So he, you know, that group will come in anywhere between 258.30 and 259.30. You'll see that three-hour group. He does it every year and they are so reliable, and they'll be pretty even pacing all the way. So so if you're not aware of the way our philosophy goes in Melbourne, we don't want them getting time in the bank. They do not go out and try and negative or do a faster first half because they're going to fall away on the second. We want them very metronomic, maybe 30 seconds up at halfway and then just try and keep it steady all the way. So 2.53 hours, and then we go through to the 3.20s. And uh, we have last year we introduced the 4.45s and the five-hour groups, and we have them again this year as well. So we're now catering further on through the field because it was a criticism that we, we cut off at 4.30, but now we've introduced 4.45s and the five-hour groups. And I've got uh, three very good friends running the five-hour group, uh, Jane, Wendy and Jody, and uh, I think they'll have a lot of fun out there. Yeah. Well, there are all the questions for me. Sorry, Tim, did I see on the social media this week as well that Nike looked after him with a bit of a goodie bag, all the paces? Yeah, they certainly yeah, did, that was yeah. Nice quite, a, quite a few of them have got alpha flies to wear as well. Yeah, so, that's what I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, and it's, yet again, it's symbolic of um, this is Nike's philosophy around the Melbourne Marathon, that uh, they want to be seen as um, yeah, very much a brand that everyone can wear and everyone's comfortable in and their support for the places and also the training series leaders. I've had 24 of them. You know, I did the stats last night. We've done 48 sessions, 114 different groups, and I've had 24 pace group leaders, and Nike looked after them as well. So that's been fantastic. So the training series this year actually went to a new level with uh, Gatorade on board, Morton on board, and also Booper coming on board as well. So if you're looking for something to do next year with 12 weeks leading into Melbourne, join our training series if you're in metropolitan Melbourne because it's been an absolute ripper of a series. We would have finished off this morning with um, close to 200 runners going out, running around the course. They had a look at the start. They had a look at the finish. Uh, and it was just fantastic. So, so yet again, that's um, you know, a big part of what we're trying to do is take the event to the people and, um, and train people up properly for it. You know, there's no mucking around with this series. We got them up to 36K for the marathoners, so they were trained properly. Well, Tim, I know that you're uh, a busy man this time of year, so we appreciate you coming on and giving up some time tonight and all the best for the next week. Um, I'm sure it'll be another great event. My pleasure, and thanks for having us on board and supporting the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival, guys. Cheers, Tim.
All right, boys, the next part of the show, I think, Moose, you're going to lead this. We're going to be talking to Ben Toomey, who was an elite runner back. Jeez, I raced him a few times, I reckon, Toomey. Yeah, I raced him a few times. Yeah, you would have raced him a few times too, wouldn't you, Moose? 1408 guy, 29.50, I think, for 10K, 65 yeah. for the half. Pete yeah, yeah. Melbourne, 2017, I think. He ran 227. Now he's uh, been around for a while. Now he's a man from Morton, Australia, Ben Toomey. Big thanks for giving up some time on your Sunday evening. Welcome to uh, the Inside Running Podcast, my Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival live stream. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. I've got all those PBs right. Yep, yep. Spot on. That's good. That's good. Ben, um, you're the man from Morton now, and a lot of people might have just tuned into Berlin and saw a few Morton drink bottles flying around the, the front group, especially yeah. the, the main man. Tell main us... Man. Um, Tell us a little bit about Morton. Like, what is it? How is it different? And why should we be taking it? Yeah, so look, obviously, uh, it's all about carbohydrate delivery. Uh, we do a, a gel, a drink, and a bar. So it's all about giving athletes uh, the opportunity to, up, to increase their carbohydrate uptake and uh, their fuel performance because uh, carbohydrate is one of the biggest uh, limiters to exceeding performances. So uh, how's it... Um... How's it different from a normal jail? Anything different or is it you're just better at marketing? Oh, look, we're, we're good at marketing. There's no doubt about that. But uh, look, the, the texture is one of the big things. It's very different for ours. It, it comes out like a jelly. Uh, it looks like a slab of aeroplane jelly. So uh, that's a, a very unique thing about ours. We don't have any flavours, colours, preservatives. Uh, so it's a very clean uh, product to take in. And, and one of the advantages in no flavour is that we find that a lot of uh, customers have been uh, uncomfortable with Flavors and textures of other products, they found out to be a lot easier to get down. Uh, you don't get flavor fatigue as well, which is a, a real issue when you're out there for you know two, three, four hours in a marathon. Obviously, some of our Ironman athletes are out there for 10 plus hours, so flavor fatigue is a real issue for them too. So the um, the gels will be on course for the first time ever, which is pretty yeah. exciting. Um, where yeah, you can is. carry all yourself. Yeah, so we've managed to get two aid stations with the gels. We, we there was a lot of work from ourselves and IMG to, to get that to occur. There's been a lot of issues with uh, littering in the past, so it was quite difficult to get the council approval. We, a lot of work went into it, making sure we had a full closed circle of waste management. So I guess that's one thing for athletes. Please be very mindful of where you dispose of your gel wrappers because we are hoping to uh, inc increase this and have more aid stations with gels on course in the future. So... Uh, if athletes could be mindful, that would be much appreciated by everyone. So you'll be out there at 11 kilometres. The half marathoners will get a dig at that as well yep. as the marathoners. That's right. Um, and then the marathoners will have their own at 31K, heading back up to the city after yeah, the turnaround. Yeah, as you come out Fitzroy Street, there'll be a, another aid station there just before the merge of the half marathon. And what will it look like when an athlete comes in? Are they going to have to stop and pick them out of a bucket or uh, – what are they going to have on the tables? So they'll be laid out on the tables. We'll have a, a table with the caffeinated gels, which are the white packets, and we'll have a table with the non-caffeinated gels, which are the black packets. There'll be two uh, two tables at each of those stations with the gels laid flat. So it'll be a simple job of uh, going through, seeing which colour you want, and grabbing it, and not, away you go. Cool. And um, can you take more than one if if you want to bridge the gap between there and the finish? Oh, look, I've got no doubt people will. Um, yeah, look, we, we have catered that there should be enough for everyone, so that, that, that certainly shouldn't be an issue. I'll, uh, I've seen it at a few Ironman events this year where guys have literally uh, come up to the last aid station and filled their pockets full. So um, it, <laughs> does, it, does, it does definitely happen. Uh, um, 
Uh, ben, what does it look like after that? Are there buckets for rubbish? Where are they going to be set up? How do you get yes. rid of your gels? So there will be uh, designated gel disposal zones at, at those aid stations as well. So there'll be, I'm not sure whether it's a bucket or a, a big bin, but uh, there will be, or just a, a designated zone and then volunteers will be sweeping them up. But um, yeah, it is, the idea is that we're getting them, you know, designated gel zone, uh, gel disposal zone, and then they'll be cleaned up, taken off for recycling and all those things as well, just to keep that loop and, that's one thing that Melbourne are really pushing is the, the sustainability of the event. I know all the, the cups that are used with the Gatorade were going to be uh, fully sustainable. So it's uh, very important we do that. So, yeah. Ben, for people that haven't used Morton before, um, how many grams of carbs per one? And is it the same with the caffeine ones as well? Yeah, so there's, there's 25 grams of carb yep. in both gels. Uh, there is 100 milligrams of caffeine in the caffeinated gel, which is, which is quite a lot. So uh, if people haven't played around with that, in training already, I'd, I'd certainly be recommending they stick to the, the non-caffeinated uh, right now, yeah. Which is the black ones, isn't it? That, that is the black one, yeah. yeah and, Ben, is it um, recommended that you, like, take them with water, um, like, soon afterwards or because of the different consistency, don't need as much fluid with it? Well, see, yeah, like, you, you don't need to chase them with water. So they're not a concentrate like some of the other products are. So a lot of, a lot of our competitors' products are actually a, a concentrated gel, so you need to take the water to dilute them. You don't need to do that with Morton, so you can just take them uh, when you need it. Obviously, it's still, still very important to have a hydration strategy as well, so I'm not saying that you uh, don't need to take any fluid on board, but, uh, yeah, you don't need to have that gel straight away followed by some water. Yeah. Ben, what time's the alarm going to be set for Sunday morning for yourself? You'll be down uh, there, pretty, of course. Yeah, it'll be a pretty early morning. We've got, we'll be uh, help, helping, <laughs> helping make sure the aid stations are set up correctly, uh, getting all our... Um, collateral out set up. So, yeah, probably somewhere around 4.35 o'clock, I reckon we'll be uh, out getting everything sorted and, and trying to make sure we're out at Albert Park before the roads are closed as well. So, yeah, it'll be a busy weekend, definitely. And it must be pretty cool for you, like a Melbourne boy and spent so many years around running to now be on the on the side helping people achieve their goals with the product. Yeah, look, it, it's uh, it's really exciting. Obviously, we've just been at Berlin on course there and, of course, at Melbourne. So it's pretty cool to be involved in in the biggest marathon in Australia on this level. It's uh, It's been really Pretty amazing to see that the response we've had from the punters, uh, retailers like Moose have had had a really good time over the last few months as well. So it's, it's really exciting to sort of see that uh, come to fruition and, and really looking forward to seeing it all come together next week. I'll be uh, yeah pretty pretty glad and pretty tired Sunday afternoon, that's for sure. Yeah, it was a real wow moment when I saw that this uh, partnership, just like it's such a premium product and you never kind of expect it just to be free on course. Yeah. So when I saw this partnership was locked in, you're like, whoa, this is a, a huge good deal. Yeah, look, it's important for us to, to do that for the brand. You know, we've, we've sort of now been in the country for four years and we've seen good growth. Obviously, it's been a little bit challenging without events over the last couple of years to, um, you know, see how, how much that growth really has occurred. But, um, you know, it's we've seen with Ironman, so we're, we're a global partner with Ironman and we've, you know, coming to the end of the second year of that. And we've seen what that can do in terms of uh, increasing awareness, increasing athlete consumption. And, uh, yeah, we felt that the running market is such a big market and, you know, we wanted to be involved in big events in, in Australia. And, and this is obviously the, the first one and uh, a very exciting one to be involved with because, yeah, I've been involved with Melbourne Marathon uh, in various capacities for at least 10 years now. And, um, you know, yeah, looking forward to seeing this come together and, and hopefully fueling lots of PVs. Awesome, mate. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks again for your time. Moose and I were both on course on uh, Sunday, so we'll be able to say good day to you in person. No, definitely. And a massive thanks to Morton of, um, 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like. Swing by, swing, swing by, fill them up, and uh, yeah, you can uh, stock up running company Geelong for another couple of weeks, Moose. Good man. Very good man. <laughs> Thanks, Ben Toomey from Morton, Australia, for your time tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Ben. That's our last guest, fellas. Can you leave the uh, the viewers with some wise words before we finish up? Moose, remind people there'll be a lot of people who are going to be racing themselves. What are you going to be doing on course? You'll be out there. What colour is your single going to be? Say g'day. And what can you help people do if they want to jump on your shoulder early on in the race? No, no, no. I'm not pacing. I'm just hanging out with a few friends. So do not expect anything from me. I take no responsibility for what happens around me. I haven't even – I'll be in a black singlet, black singlet with pink shoes. Um, I'm going to have a, a pair of shorts on that I can carry my phone so I can buy a coffee as soon as I finish. Um, I will – yeah, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to sneak through from the back of the pack because I don't – I haven't organised preferred starts or anything, so I'm going to be doing a bit of sneaky work there, working through the crowd. Um, uh, just put, enjoy it. Like this, is, like this is what you train for. It's fun. Like no, this isn't that serious. If at the end of the day you're going out there and doing a running race, no one gives, no one cares about the time that you, you're going to run. No one cares if you run two hours forty-five, two hours forty-seven. Only you care. So don't put that extra stress of thinking that that other people are going to judge you differently based off your your marathon time. Well put, Bradley. Some wise words before we sign off for the marathoners, half marathoners, ten kers out there on Sunday morning. Well, obviously enjoy it. Um, don't try anything new on race day. Stick to what you know, uh, control what you can control and uh, embrace the pain. Yeah. Enjoy. Smile. Enjoy. Smile like Kipchoge when it hurts. And enjoy being so fit. Like you're the very fittest you've probably, you know, majority of people, the fittest they've been ever in their life this week leading in. And um, don't don't wish it to be away. So many people are like, oh, I just want to get the race to over and get it finished. Like I guarantee you Sunday night you'll be wishing you could come back to a week out to enjoy this fitness and enjoy the, the race week excitement. So, um, yeah, a massive thank you for the people tuning in here. Zach has just put up some questions. We've got Dylan here trying to break three hours on Sunday for his debut marathon. Brady, are you going to tow the pack if you drop back with us? Do a bit of work out the front. Similar to Moose, I will be uh, doing one job at around 2.20 and then I'll see what happens. I'm not sure if I'll be carrying on. I'll talk about that more on this week's uh, podcast. We'll have some more details there. So looking forward to seeing a whole lot of listeners on course on Sunday morning. Enjoy race week. It's a very special time. And a massive thanks to the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival for partnering for the, with the Inside Running Podcast for this uh, live stream tonight. See you later, boys. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Chat tomorrow night, guys. See you then. See you we'll, soon. Do, we'll, do, we'll do a weekly show talking about all this stuff. Uh, it comes out Wednesday and we'll be recording it tomorrow night. So if you like what you heard tonight and you haven't heard our podcast, you can tune in every Wednesday morning wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. See ya. See ya. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leading sports micronutrition brand providing high-strength, informed, sport-certified formulations to support recovery, boost immunity, and relieve joint inflammation for endurance athletes. Available online now at pillarperformance.shop.